1: Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast
2: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: And welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. Happy Friday Eve. Happy Thursday to you at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And I can tell you one thing for certain about Kerry Davis. I can tell you lots of things for certain about Kerry Davis. But if Kerry Davis shows up on the injury report as... Questionable or probable or doubtful. He's playing. I'm playing. All right? The only yeah. way you're not playing is
4: if you're out. If I'm out, then I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I'm. I'm. I'm in, Randy. Yeah. I am. I've been battling sinuses for the last three days. You looked at me yesterday. You okay? I said, I, I don't know. Huh? I don't know. I think. a song coming down. I, I can barely hear out of one ear. So I, I, we'll see how it goes. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm here though. Yeah. You're a total gamer. I am. So yeah. The, the, Get the job done. I'm, I'm glad you're here because we wow. got quite a day coming
3: your way. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. We're going to talk to our buddy Greg Amzinger at the bottom of the hour. The Cardinals, with their first... Workout today for pitchers. First real workout for pitchers and catchers. They've just been throwing so far. John Kelly will join us at 8.15. And Evan Drellich of The Athletic has a new book out about the Astros cheating scandal and about the Cardinals scandal with Chris Correa. That's part of the book. And we're going to talk to Evan Drellich coming up at 9.15. Really looking forward to that. But we're going to get things started with your St. Louis Blues CD. Back in action tonight. Looking for three in a row. This one against New Jersey.
4: And what happens if you win three in a row? Well, then that's called a winning streak. (laughs) And it has happened before.
3: (laughs) Now, New Jersey is really good. If you haven't been paying attention to the East and... Uh, there's really no great reason to pay attention to the East. But New Jersey, on the road this year, has a record of 20 wins, three losses, and three overtime losses. They've been dynamic. They're second in the Metropolitan. They're three points behind Carolina. They could still win their division. They're three points ahead of the Rangers. And the Blues, obviously, as CD mentioned, have won two in a row. And our guy, Callie Rosen... Getting a few more opportunities. Here's Coach Craig Brew on those opportunities on the penalty kill.
5: Well, he's earned it. He's played really well for us, and uh, now that Meeks has moved on, on you know we're going to need uh, Tuck and uh, Rosen to step in that in them Ooh. areas and and do the job for us.
3: So Meeks is Mikola, mm-hmm. Tuck's is Tucker, yep, and Rosen
4: Rosen needs <laughs> a nickname. Rosie, <laughs> yeah, Rosie's Rosie. Rosie, yeah, that's nah, good. Eh, Maybe Cal, cow. Yeah. cow. Cow we we'll, we'll figure something out. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure something. Yeah. His name's well, Cali. Do you need
6: to add, Cal. add anything to it? Well, like he could be wh- whoever his partner is. If he's
4: Cal, get a guy named Ricky and do shake and bake.
7: <laughs> good. I, like that. I like that. He,
4: he has uh, he has earned the opportunities. He has done a, a fantastic job when he's out on the ice. And I've been, you know, I guess I'm one of the. Maybe I'm the president of the Cal Cali Rosen fan club. Kinda I kind of I, I, yeah. I kind of was was just jumped out there early mm-hmm. on and, and saw him playing pretty well. And I think he's done a great job. I think he deserves more opportunities. Uh, Krug, I think, was hurt the other night, mm-hmm. so that's the reason why he only played seven minutes. But the fact that Kelly Rosen was able to get 20 minutes on the ice, 21 minutes on the ice, and now you're talking about Barubi giving him more opportunities on the penalty penalty kill, hopefully more opportunities on the power play, uh, because he does he does score the puck very well as a defenseman. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can bring. And, and this is the one thing, Randy, we talk about, you know, Sometimes players get put in a box because you are this coming out of college or you are this coming out of the minors. And, and for your first couple of years, that's all they see you as. And they put you in a box and they limit your, your role. They limit what you're able to do or, or the amount of work that they give you because you're in this box. And I think Callie Rosen has been put in that box, but it's showing, hey, I'm more than what you all think I am. Just give me the opportunities, and I'm I'm showing that I can play.
3: That's what it's all about, yeah. is opportunity. Yep. And, man, we see it all across sports. Some guys turn into Hall of Famers, like Kurt yeah. Warner. Some guys become really, really good players, like Matt Carpenter. Cardinals brought him up as a utility guy, and right. hopefully Callie Rosen, after so many years of banging that wall will get the opportunity meanwhile another guy that's getting more of an opportunity in terms of minutes is the blues new no question number one right winger jordan kairu he has 51 points in 50 games he's played very well for the blues and i really enjoy watching players get better and ascend and bruby yesterday was asked about where Cairo is in terms of playing uh, an entire game both ends of the ice 200 feet
5: I think, he's, yeah, I mean, I think even at the start of the season, I think he was doing the right things or trying to do the right things, you know, and again, he's just got to keep working at it. Like it's he can't go in and out. It's got to be constant every game that that's a big part of the game. That's got to be a big part of his game is his play away from the puck.
3: If he plays well away from the puck, speaking of Jordan Cairo. And maintains this point a game or more than a point a game pace, he'll be dark. The, yeah. That's what makes a superstar in the NHL.
4: Yeah, we were talking, we were listening to, to Barubi earlier this year, and he said he's playing like a, a $3 million player. Like not, Army. Army, uh, Army talking, yeah. about, talking about Kyru because he hadn't ascended or he hadn't gotten to that point yet. And I think now he's understanding what is expected of him, how good he, we all know the talent, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen it. We've seen the speed. It's just effort it's the will to do it every single play and make sure that you are where you need to be every single time and 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 have that effort and energy all the time not just when it's time to score the puck but also when it's time to get back on defense and help you out your, help out your guys and that leads
3: us to the New Jersey Devils we mentioned 23 and 3 on the road when you go on the road you got to play a simple game eh So why are the Devils so good on the road?
5: Well, (laughs) they're just a good team all around. I mean, they've been a good team all year. Um, Good road team for me is understanding, you know, simplicity is okay. Not forcing things, you know, playing smart, understanding situations on the road. But I think Jersey, you know, they're like I said, they're a very quick team. They got real fast forwards and got big D. And they transition the puck really well, and with their speed, they create a lot of odd man rushes and a lot of good, good, good plays off the rush.
4: I love the child that Rock and I are. We're we're childlike. <laughs> 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 we're childlike. That is, yeah, I'm just trying to stay
6: young so I don't get old. There you go. Yeah, that's
3: good. You do. It's, and I wish teams could do this. I, I get that you want to entertain the home fans, but one of the reasons they're good on the road, and especially with being a young team because they don't need to put on a show for anybody. You just play a good, simple game, like Panger always tells us. Have five guys in the picture all the time. Make those short, crisp passes to each other. Play a good, solid team game, and that's what the Blues will have with New Jersey tonight. Meanwhile, last night over at Chaffetz Arena, your St. Louis Billikens. Take care of Davidson, 78-65. The score, not really indicative of how close the game was. Davidson made it a game down the stretch, but the Billikens able to come away with a victory.
4: They shut that Steph Curry guy down, huh? Yeah, he didn't, they, do, he anything. didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't hear him at all. He didn't have any points so. last night. They, 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 good job. <laughs> you yeah. guys did their yeah. thing last yeah. night. S
3: L U, S L U. So the Billikens now get back on the winning track, and yes, they have some work to do. Five games left before they play in the conference tournament. And that's going to be their opportunity to make the NCAA tournament. Right now, VCU is 10-3 and 3 in the conference, and they have that victory over Slough last week. Dayton 9-4. Billikens get them at home, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, plus, you you, you've got Fordham, who also beat Slough at Fordham. So, what the Billikens need to do in these last five games is essentially light it up. They need to find a way to get the double bye, and they've got Duquesne coming up on Saturday, 7 o'clock, over at Chaffetz. And then on Tuesday, they go to Richmond. Very winnable game. Then you get Loyola, and Loyola is terrible this year. So that should be, sorry, Maggie, Maggie Teslaski, our, our salesperson, is a Loyola grad oh, yeah. and listening, hey. and we love her, but the Billikens should just hammer Loyola. And then they go to VCU, and they've got Dayton here. You should win your next three, and then you can't ask for any more than having at VCU and Dayton at home for your last two games.
6: Uh, yeah, they've never uh, won at VCU uh, under Travis Ford, and Dayton just beat them by uh, 14 mm-hmm. and pretty handily. So not exactly the the, be- the best you know capper to your season uh, from that perspective, but nonetheless, if you get three wins and you're going into those games, you got a chance to prove yourself going into the A-10 tournament because that's your only shot at March.
4: It's time to step up you got a chance to get the number one seed though still you're one game back mm-hmm. um, and the, and the double the, the the very coveted double buy yeah. in, in the A-10 tournament you got VCU and Dayton still yep. who are who are ahead of you there's a chance if you take care of your business that you could be the number one seed you just yeah you got to go out there and, and play the game and yeah. do the things that you need to do to so, win and I get that um, Matthew Rocky is at heart
3: essentially you know um, he's a negative guy. So uh-huh, yeah. he, he's gonna, he's a cla- he's, he's a glass half That's half fair. empty yeah, kind hey, of guy. A
4: glass three quarters empty, maybe three quarters empty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just a just a swallow. But what I do,
3: CD, <laughs> is I go back and, and look at or left to go. <laughs> one of my one of one of the favorite days of my life, October tenth, nineteen ninety nine. The St. Louis Rams had lost to the San Francisco Forty Nine ers seventeen times in a row. Mm-hmm. Seventeen times in a row to the same team. And By the way, ten of those ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. I guess no, uh, eight of those were here in St. Louis. And I, being the confident glass, glass three quarters full sort of guy, I bought a bunch of champagne before that game on Saturday right. because I was confident that the Rams were going to win that game. Isaac Bruce scores three first quarter touchdowns, the Rams win 42-20, they get to take a knee at the one yard line of San oh. Francisco as the game ends. Up forty two to twenty, and then we went out and we clinked sh- champagne glasses to celebrate <laughs> the ending of that seventeen game losing streak. Because I was confident,
6: Randy. You you kissed the cup,
3: and do, who won the cup?
6: They did. I'm I've got saying, a photo. Were, I've you, got photo evidence. You're, you're, they you're, were you're
5: mad c- at you. You
3: were you public enemy number one. Yeah. So there's people that think that I'm popular in this town and that I can do no wrong. <laughs> that <laughs> month, especially after the hand pass game. People were tweeting me saying, "What the hell? <laughs> it was all your fault."
5: <laughs> well, it amazing let's how that just
3: works. worked. Prove them
6: wrong. We're gonna do a segment. Uh, we're gonna do a segment later uh, next week. where We're just gonna talk about how great Paul DeYoung is and, and talk about you kissing the cup. Oh man! We're just gonna screenshot all the texts we get. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, there was someone yesterday texting in from. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! He was so hey. upset, or she was so yep. upset. We don't know. We Ozzie don't know. Smith, the back in
3: an advisory role for the Cardinals in Jupiter. Nolan Arnauto actually asked for that, and uh, he and uh, Mason Wynn both, and Tommy been all fans of the Wizard, who, by the way, missed out on our golf outing yesterday, as did Kerry. Uh, but uh, one of Ozzy's golf partners, former Big Red running back Willard Harrell, joined us and uh, told us some great stories. Thanks to uh, the, fo- the folks out at uh, Old Hickory. They were great. And uh, Matthew hit the ball well. Matthew's taking lessons, and Matthew's coming back. Man, he's—it's it's kind of scary to think about what he could be in July.
6: I'm no longer scared of my driver, which is—that's—that's. That's, I mean, uh, that was kind of like one of my big hurdles when I started golfing uh, about nine months ago. And so to get over that, it's—it felt good. I was—I was. I was I I enjoyed yesterday. It was an absolute blast. Not just the company, but also the game.
4: As long as as you don't have a hitch in your swing like what Charles Barkley had at one point, Mm -hmm. you you are... It was a mental block that he was unable to, to, to get past. I guess he finally did, but... I think as long as you are able to swing completely through, you're you're you're, you're doing okay.
6: Here, I did fail you. I, I think I, I think I did. I, I settled out later on in, in, in the round. Okay, but I think I lost four balls in the first four holes.
4: I said I I, I was gonna say six, but I I, I actually <laughs> you gone eight. I should have <laughs> I was gonna go six. But I was like that six is a lot. Sure. Four in the first few rounds. I, it was I, I literally had to jump out of the car and tee off. Ah,
6: and so yeah, he it, it didn't even was, get a, a not, a rough not one swing. Uh, it was uh, a rough first couple holes. Uh,
3: and by the way, Chris Muir, our buddy from Golf Discount, was also with us and gave us a photo of the Island Green number 8 over at Old Hickory. And uh, my swing just looks awful. You talk about a guy that needs a tune-up, <laughs> man. I need and I, I actually hit it okay, but my swing just it looks terrible. And I want my swing to—it's more important to look marvelous than to be marvelous. There you go. As long as you—randy, <laughs> here's what I've learned— it's as
4: long as you look the part, no one really knows. That's right. No right. one knows except for the three people that are with yeah. you how, how terrible it's going. But if you look good and you, you, you carry your, your clubs in a certain mm-hmm. manner, Everyone thinks, oh, he's he's, he's good. He,
3: yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, You see me yesterday. You aren't thinking that. That's Carrie. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. And we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. It is Friday Eve. And we'd love to hear from you with the Air Comfort Service text line, which is 314-399-9646. If you use the letters on your phone, 314-399-YO-HO, we've got sick of it or sick of it next on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and time for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN or Sick of It. So here's the, the way this worked. If, you've, if you're a new listener, and I, we, we tend to forget sometimes that we do have a great community of listeners, and most of the people have listened for a while and get it, but if you don't know what sick of it is, when Michelle Smallman was here, one time Bradley Beal was on a torrid pace with the, the Wizards, was scoring 40 a night, and got to like his fifth or sixth game in a row, scored 47, and the Wizards lost. And Bradley's wife went to Twitter And just put one thing. It was sick of it! Exclamation point, exclamation point, (laughs) exclamation point. And I always thought it was kind of a Valley Girl sick of it. And Michelle thought it was like an exasperated sick of it. So that's where it came from. It doesn't have to be Bradley Beal scoring 47 in a loss. It can be whatever you're sick of, sports or not. And we welcome your texts here on 101 ESPN. CD, as an example, I am... Sick of the fact that people think that for everybody that needs a quarterback this offseason, that Derek Carr would not be an improvement over whatever they have. I'm, uh, I specifically think of the Jets and this morning on our morning show, uh, Keyshawn J Will and Max. Yeah, it's it's not Zubin anymore. It's Max. They they were saying, oh. They, you. The the Jets shouldn't go out and get Derek Carr. Well, yes, they should. He's an upgrade. He he would be an upgrade, right? If if you don't think that you can get Aaron Rodgers, or if there is a question in your mind, and this guy's out there for you,
4: yes, you go out and get an upgrade. Yeah, I I I agree. He's uh he 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 played very well. He has played very well. He's he's you know, I think he got the short end of the stick in 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 um Las Vegas and they got rid of him, and he's gonna move on, he's gonna Mm -hmm. have an opportunity, but he is better than than the Jets' quarterbacks than what they have right now, he's better than what the Washington Commanders threw out there last mm-hmm. year. He's better than what the Carolina Panthers threw out there, what the New Orleans Saints threw out there. He's better than a than a host of, you know, it's probably four or five teams that he he's better than the quarterbacks than they had on their roster last year. So, yeah, he, he definitely needs an opportunity. And I don't know what what people think about it. I. Who knows, Randy? You know what I'm sick of? You know, people are upset that the Kansas City Chiefs specifically won Travis Kelsey has been calling themselves, no one believed in us, no one, people are people are bothered that this man found a way to have a chip on his shoulder. I'm sick of that. You know what, as a professional athlete, whatever it takes to get you riled up, to get you motivated, you will use that. It will stay with you for the entirety of your career if you need to. Patrick Mahomes will probably go down as the best quarterback to ever play the game. Yet and still, he will always be bothered that Mitchell Trubisky was taken ahead of him. Now, he mm-hmm, will yeah. always be bothered by that, so professional athletes use, you know, whatever it is, whatever someone said, people did. There were people saying that they wouldn't win a championship, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. because Tyreek Hill was gone. They were in a rebuilding phase, as I do my air quotes. But they were able to win the game. Hey, whatever you got to do. I'm sick of people being bothered that Travis Kelsey and the Kansas City Chiefs used whatever chip they could find to win a championship. Yeah, if you can find a
3: way, and all we have to do is ask this question. Whoever said anything negative about Michael Jordan after 1984, right? Exactly. Nobody said, but
4: he always thought somebody was. He always felt he wasn't. He always felt there was something else that needed to be accomplished. And that's the thing. When you are, Randy, here's the thing. Sometimes it's made up. Sometimes Mm -hmm. in your mind, you actually make things up to believe it. And if it works, (laughs) guess what? Be a champion and call yourself a champion and... Whatever it takes to get there, you do it. Brady spent
3: 22 years with that sixth-round chip on his shoulder. Exactly. Kurt Warner spent a decade with that undrafted, nobody-wants-me chip yep. on his shoulder. It's, it's part of what makes people great is having a chip and a level of motivation. All right, to your texts on the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 Here's Matthew
6: Rockfield. Sick of it. Hearing that Patrick Mahomes and the KC offense is the best ever, they're not even the best in the state of Missouri. Long live the greatest show on turf. There will never be a better offense than the greatest
3: show on turf, Uh, with all due respect. And I love Kelsey, and I love Patrick Mahomes. But who else on that offense is going to the Hall of Fame? Crickets,
5: crickets,
4: crickets. That's a very good question. Tyreek Uh, isn't there. Yeah, Travis, Patrick. They don't have an offensive lineman. Nope. I mean, uh, maybe they don't have Orlando maybe, Pace. No, he's not, not walking they're through they're that not,
3: door. Orlando uh, Brown and his uh, daddy. I don't think that I love Isaiah Pacheco, but he's not quite Marshall Falk. Yeah, they, <laughs> they don't right. have Isaac. They don't have Torrey. Uh
6: I mean, I guess. I mean, if he puts together a 50, you know a 13 year career of what he's been already, Humphreys would be a Hall of Famer. For the I, I, I was gonna say Creed Humphrey. If, I mean, if he continues this yeah, for a yeah. 10, 12 year career, he would be a Hall of Fame center. Hey, good luck. Yeah, exactly. That's, and
3: that's, good luck that's to being as do. important to an offense but, as Orlando Pace But yeah. there
5: is not
4: a, a person on that offensive line that is as dominant as what Orlando Pace was. Uh, I believe, if I'm not it might mistaken. Not be a, yeah. I, I don't know if there's anyone in football. Uh, I think football. The, the Patriots may have
3: had a run of three 500-point seasons in a row, but I don't think the Chiefs have done that yet. And the Chiefs are great. I'm taking not taking anything away from them. But the texture is 100% right that... The Chiefs, as great as they are, offensively, are not as good as the greatest show on turf.
6: Sick of it. Sick of the national broadcast teams talking about the Blues always saying about certain players that, quote-unquote, they won't be in a Blues jersey
4: much longer. Just call the game. Yeah, well, we say it every day. Yeah, right? part of the deal. It's possible. Maybe probable. That they won't be there. Yeah. They're just doing their job. Yep, they are. Uh, The Chiefs have scored 500 or more points
3: once. That was 2018. Uh, in the Andy Reid era or in their history. They've scored 500 more points one time. The St. Louis Rams, greatest show on turf, 99, 2000, 2001, three years in a row with 500 or more points.
6: So you're hearing about Aaron Rodgers every single offseason.
4: Yeah, Aaron kind of weird. Is, he's kind of uh, Brett Favre. <laughs> well, it's weird that we talk about him going to his darkness room. Like, who cares? We We don't talk about that for... I don't know, anyone else. Because nobody else would say it. Well, maybe that's why.
6: I think that
3: he might be a little bit of, uh, would we call it an attention hound? Okay. Even though he doesn't like to be thought of as an attention hound. I like and that, I'm, that I'm choice of words. I'm, Thank you very much. Yeah. I could use another one. I,
4: I, 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 I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I like it. Thank you. Oh, uh, I am sick of Paul the Young being a cardinal. Well, yeah. get used to it. Seems like it. Yep. I was wondering, though. Hey, hey, hear me out. Is there a possibility? You know, we talk a lot. We've been talking a lot about Paul DeYoung and, and how well it's been going. You know, his hitting has been improving. We haven't seen it yet, but there are talks of it. Is it a possibility that all of this is just to help build him up for another team? To hundred percent. To, to come in and say, hey, you know what? The pobo for the Cardinals was talking about Paul DeYoung. Let's take a look-see. Yeah, absolutely. That's possible. So, so sometimes people don't just assume that it's surface level. Sometimes there are deeper meanings or deeper uh, aspirations for for what's being said or why things are being said. And yesterday,
3: right when we asked who John Mozilla was intrigued by in watching, he mentioned and He said, don't shoot me for this. But, and you can listen to the interview on our, on our app or on 101ESPN.com brought to you by dobbs Center and Auto Centers. But Mo said, don't shoot me for this, but I'm interested in seeing Paul DeYoung. He also added... He thinks that if De Young performs well that he could find himself in a really solid to paraphrase, utility role mm-hmm. for the Cardinals. He didn't talk about young, De young being able to become a starting player for the 2023 Cardinals, which will probably happen on opening day anyway. What oh
4: <laughs> Lord. What what are the, the what are the possibilities of Mason win this year? I think there there's a really good chance. It it felt like it wasn't early on, but now as we're we're hearing more about him. It seems like mid-season, maybe a, a September call-up type of deal. He, yeah. It sounds like he will be here this year. Him and Jordan Walker will, you know, be on this roster at some point together this this season. And it's important for the Cardinals to do this:
3: have your best twenty-six on your roster and play your best nine every single day. And if Mason Wynn is one of your best twenty-six and one of your best nine, you gotta play let him. Play. play him. Yeah.
6: Sick of people hating Mo but loving Army, both phenomenal for their teams do a great job for St. Louis sports fans. I agree with that. I agree. And both really good people too, really good
3: ambassadors for St. Louis, great people in our community. And yeah, I think that sometimes people go a little bit overboard in not winning a championship every year. And I understand, Kerry, you understand because you had to live it. Matthew, you understand that you can't win a championship every year. And actually, if you have two World Series appearances in 15 years, you're beating the odds. Yeah, you're beating the odds with 30 team, teams in baseball.
6: Okay, we just talk about the difference between just how Army and Moseylock respectively just talk about their, their their sport and their team and things like that. It's just the the we you know we make jokes about net net and arbitrage yeah. with Moseylock, mm-hmm. and then Army's just so much more cut and dry and and straight to the point with it. And so it's just, it's a fantastic dichotomy. They're both fantastic. And the, here's
3: the thing to to wrap up here. If you read between the lines with both, if you just don't listen to the words of what will happen, but listen to what isn't said... Read right between the lines with those guys, and I think you'll get a much better information feed if, if you do it that way. I like that. That's what I try to do, and that's what I try to provide to you when you're listening. Is that Not only do I listen to what is said, but I listen to what isn't yeah. said when I'm trying to figure out what they, they really mean. Kerry, Matthew, Randy, coming up, we're going to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Greg Amzinger of MLB Network, he's got a lot to say, and we've got a lot for him to talk about, including... He's a TV guy. TV in baseball. I'm 101
0: ESPN.
1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall
7: guy. That's what the poster said.
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy.
7: Turn to make out?
1: Nope.
4: Because
7: I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
4: What are you
5: into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read did PG-13. You're back to the opening drive podcast on
2: 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis,
3: I'm Randy Carricker. We go now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our buddy Greg Amzinger of MLB Network stands by, uh, is standing by. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great.
8: Uh, I woke up this morning to a text message from an unnamed big leaguer who said, this Top 100 Right Now show you do is a joke. (laughs) And <laughs> what a pleasant thing to wake up to. That that was a, that was the kind of text I needed to get me going for this uh this wonderful what, radio interview I do every week.
3: What league? National League. Okay. Yes. Okay. And not a Cardinal. Not okay. a Cardinal. Okay. National League player. Do you think not happy at all. Is there any, the any course, by one way. by the way, any anything that you've disagreed with so far in the top 100?
8: I agree with a lot of things. Uh and I disagree with more things than I agree with. Uh, but but I understand the process. We have an amazing think tank of researchers, men and women, some of which have been poached by big league front offices in years past, and they are channeling what front office executives value in players now. So it is the top 100 players right now. not the top 100 players in 2011 or 1986. It's not how we viewed them then. It's how we view them now. <laughs> and that is why, and that is why Yandy Diaz was ranked ahead of Giancarlo Stanton, and I, I had a problem with that. I just as good as Yandy Diaz is, uh, he doesn't strike out, doesn't have any slug, hits for average, he's on base machine. Uh, come on, Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, accidentally, it's thirty home runs. That's a bad year. And this dude, Yandy Diaz, can't play defense. He's a bad third baseman. But because he because he can walk, because our front offices are still really valuing, don't swing, don't swing. You 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 played today four walks, at a boy. <laughs> Keep that bat on your shoulder because we still value that in the game, uh, which I think is changing. Yanni Diaz was ranked ahead of Giancarlo Stanton, which is Jim.
4: Greg, when you receive a text like that, does that change your, your thought process of how you're going about uh, who, how that selection process is going? Do you, do you feel like maybe you slighted that player just a little bit?
8: Uh, I know what problems I'm going to have ahead of me <laughs> after we're done with every single show. Um, I, I, On the top of my head, I'm thinking about who I'm going to have to deal with. Um, we taped the show last night that is going to air tonight. And Marcus Simeon's not going to want to talk to me at his spring train. Like he's, he's not going to want to. And I've had issues before with with players. Buster Posey was livid with me. Uh, I went to camp. I had a, I sparred one-on-one with Mad Dog Chris Russo in the show <laughs> about Gary Sanchez should be closer to number one than Buster Posey. And he kept saying, ah, he's a rookie of the year, batting title, MVP. I go, that's why the show is called Top 100 right now, Mad Dog. Not four years ago. So, and then I went into the whole fact that Buster Posey's are zapped. he hit 14 home runs the previous season. He's trending in the wrong direction from a power standpoint. I know he's a good defensive catcher, but if the San Francisco Giants have a, their best hitter, is only hitting 14 home runs, they're not going to the playoffs. So Buster pulled me aside and he was like, I thought we were boys. So I'm like, yo, yeah, I love you, man. And he's like, I heard everything you said on that show. I don't believe you. We talked for like thirty minutes to spring train about it. It was a legit thing. This, this show is an honor to host and one of the biggest pains in the neck you could ever give me before I go to spring train.
3: Hey, Greg, going back to your point about walks, and you and I we've talked a lot about this, but and I never updated this because this was through I think their first Uh, 11 seasons. Trout and Pujols, okay? Albert had a 3.34 average, Trout 3.04. Albert had a 4.25 on base, Trout 4.18. Albert had a 6.24 slug, Trout had a 5.82. Albert had a 1.049 OPS, Trout had a 1,000. But Trout had 838 walks. Albert had 707. Trout was considered a better player and had a better OPS plus simply because he walked more than Albert. 323 home runs for Albert to 302 home runs for Trout. 991 RBIs for Albert to 798 for Trout. Every single statistic favored Albert Pujols except for walks, and so the metrics preferred Trout because he walked
8: more. Not just that, though. Uh, defensive metrics do go into your overall wins above but these are the placement. Just,
3: but these are just strictly th- these are just strictly offensive numbers.
8: Yeah, yeah, offensive numbers, no doubt. Yes, the, Albert's right there, but Mike Trout's base running, especially early on in his career, still to this day, actually, his ability to score from first base on a gapper, he does get extended runs and extra runs that would uh, otherwise Albert would be staying at second base uh, Then his ability to play center field. Uh, has added to his value. And and really, honestly, the eye test of everything else. Was he ever a gold glover at center field? No, he doesn't really have a great throwing arm. But he's had some iconic defensive plays throughout his career. And he still has – I mean, he's one of the top sliders in the game. That's a weird thing to say, Mm -hmm. but Trey Turner is the best slider in baseball. Mike Trout's probably right behind him. Uh, So the eye test and the smoothness of everything he's done – people have just put him because of the premium defensive position and, you know, the front office told him not to steal any bases anymore. He he should be stealing 30 bags a year. He should be. Uh, It's going to be interesting just from a strictly offensive standpoint. His war is so ridiculous. That's why they don't put him in the same category, but from from an offensive standpoint, I think what you're going to see is Mike Trout not hit 300 anymore. I think Mike Trout is going to sell out for homers. And we will see Mike Trout and Aaron Judge spar from AL, from AL home run crowd. Wow. I think the top three home run guys in baseball in the American League will be Judge, Trout, and your Don Alvarez. Alvarez, the best true hitter of the bunch. But I think Trout's average is only going south, not at an extreme rate like Andrew Jones, if you look at the back half of his career. But I think my, Mike Trout's going to realize, he has the ability to hit 40 or 50 home runs a year, and you're going to see him do it.
3: Greg Amsinger, native of St. Louis, a product of the Lindenwood University, and, of course, lead anchor for MLB Network here on 101 ESPN. And being the lead anchor for MLB Network, that means that Greg's boss is Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, who spoke to the media yesterday. And, Greg, he said, this is paraphrasing from Bill Shaken of the L.A. Times, that with Bally heading towards free agency— <laughs> If Bally doesn't pay their rights fees, MLB clubs will terminate contracts. MLB would produce games using MLB network technology and would try to arrange for cable and satellite distributors to air them. Being a guy that works for MLB network and understanding kind of MLB network technology, what is the commissioner telling us here?
8: Uh, what, What the commissioner is telling us here. Is there will not be a free for all, a crazy futuristic uh, media rights circus? What does that mean? Uh, I'll just hyper focus it to St. Louis. You're not going to have to go online and see. Oh wait, there's a game on Channel Five on Wednesday. Channel 11's got the game on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, where, where's the Card- Where the Cardinals are playing? Where, where are they playing on Monday? Like that would happen if this doesn't get cleaned up and baseball just doesn't take it over, okay? So Major League Baseball is going to continue to mainstream that one platform for all of its customers to get the product they want, in this case in St. Louis. Cardinal fans want to watch the St. Louis Cardinals play on the same station they've always watched it, Bally Sports Midwest. If they file for bankruptcy or baseball takes over with this other group, who knows what the name of that channel would be but it, Cardinal games will always come to you on that channel. It's not going to change anything. The one behind the curtain detail is the games will be produced by MLB network. And that will be a different wrinkle. Does that mean the broadcasters change? No, the broadcasters are, are essentially picked by the teams. Okay. Um, so therefore the broadcasters are doing what they're doing, but the producers are different. Uh, everything would come from the main hub. In Secaucus, New Jersey. And that's the the, the MLB network technology that Rob Manfred is talking about. Uh, It's going to start happening. Uh, This year, there's an unnamed team, not the Cardinals, that were taking over all of the game broadcasts. Down the line, I wouldn't be shocked if we were doing 10 to 15 of the RSN game broadcasts. And and who knows what other content we would be doing. Uh, Three years down the road, We might be doing 20 to 25 of them. And and this is the future of uh, Major League Baseball revenue stream. It's different. Instead of getting just one check from the Bally's and waiting for that gigantic check, which all of a sudden looks different than the check you got six years ago, because everything, the value always goes up for rights fees and live content. Now, the future of this is baseball would basically be in control of its own content and they can monetize their own content the way they want to. Uh, It is a a more practical approach. You're going to see streaming become uh, at the forefront of this, and who knows if that is the future of, of the network I work on. But streaming, making it easier, no more blackouts, getting fans their game as easy as possible is the number one priority from Commissioner Manfred, and I think it's the right way to go.
4: Are you looking at all teams being under this this uh, Major League Baseball shell where each each uh, organization is playing all of their games on on Major League Baseball Network, or, or is, will you still have the Yes Network for the Yankees? Are they still not going to be tied into to what's going on with, with all of this?
8: Yeah, and, and I don't want people thinking that all the Cardinal games are on MLB Network. That's not it. The games would still be on the channel that you watch it now. Valley Sports, Midwest, and and they might name it something different. That's not going to change. It's just who is making those images? Mm -hmm. Who's putting those images together? Who's cutting those camera shots? Uh, That would be MLB Network employees is what Rob Manfred uh, is alluding to. There are still RSNs that make money that are profitable, okay? Uh, The Yes Network, uh, the SNY, which does the Mets, Uh, Sportsnet LA, which does the Dodgers, Nesson, which does the Red Sox, the Marquee Sports Network, which does the Chicago Cubs. So not all of these regional sports networks are in dire straits financially. Uh, But when we look at the entire landscape of RSNs, something needs to be done. And Rob Manfred is not going to let uh, the fans of the sport be victimized here. So he is going to ensure that baseball fans do not miss a single game and that is his number one priority he wants to make it even easier to watch their favorite team try to get rid of these blackouts watch every game on your device in your hand if you want if you're not in your living room so that's the future of this fans should not freak out about the future of watching their favorite team commissioner rob manford doing everything he can to make it easier than it is right now
3: do you think jordan walker is going to be the national league rookie of the year
8: Ooh, that's a tough question. There's so many good rookies. I gotta tell you, I saw the Alvarez kid up, up close, the catcher of the New York Mets, mm-hmm. and I know they went out and got Omar Narvaez, but this kid could hit. This kid can rake. If he gets along at all with Scherzer and Verlander, I just can't see anybody having a more impactful season on a winning team than the catcher, a rookie catcher who's catching future Hall of Famers. I, I Going into this, I think Alvarez is going to be the my, – he's my rookie of the year favorite. But, yeah, Walker's got to be a, a finalist for sure.
4: Hey, we were talking, Greg, we were talking about Mason Wynn, and we had uh, John Moselock on yesterday. It sounds to me as though he's going to be up this season. I know most people projected him to come up next season, but it sounds to me that he will be here at some point this season. What are your thoughts about that?
8: I think uh, Brendan Donovan – has a chance to keep him down in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not Tommy Edmonds, it's Donovan. Mm-hmm. Donovan has to prove he can play second base with no shift at a high level. And if he's able to cover a lot of ground, make some great plays, and honestly just not kick the ball, don't be a defensive liability over there, I just don't see how they're going to rush Mason Wynn. I, I don't see that happening this year because he's so young still. Uh, but I think Tommy Edmonds' safety's fine, but Edmonds the guy that's going to slide over second base and make room for Mason Wynn. So if you're Brendan Donovan you want to make sure that you'll become a platoon player. You don't want to fall into the Norman Gorman world where you're just a left-handed DH uh, when a righty's on the mound. So, to me, it's how Donovan performs at second that will dictate the future of Mason and short.
3: And finally, Greg, we're all very confident, not all of us, there's a lot of people that are listening that aren't confident about Jack Flaherty returning, but man, was it a slap in the face yesterday for me when I saw that Frankie Montas was going to undergo shoulder surgery? Sure, every situation is different, but Shoulders are without, uh, without fail, dicey. It's really hard for a guy to come back from a shoulder injury, isn't it?
8: No doubt, no doubt. And then, fingers crossed that the shoulder surgery works. It's not Tommy John, you know. If you just because you're getting shoulder surgery doesn't mean you're going to come back and be anything close to what you used to be. Uh, all eyes on Jack Flaherty. I said this before in the show. He's the most important Cardinal. He is. I mean, the lineup's got terrific names, well balanced. Speed, guys who get on base, a lot of slug, upside, all comes down to me, it comes down to the ace. You have to have win day to get where you need to go, especially when you look at the other teams in the National League. Jack Flaherty can't just be serviceable. You can't, he can't roll out of bed and think that 11-10 and 10 with a 4 ERA means the Cardinals are in the playoffs that is not good enough. He has to go 16-5 with a 2.89. That's the kind of performance the Cardinals need Jack Flaherty to have to ensure they're going to be in the mix, not just win the Central, but the heavy favorites to win the Central, but to actually compete with the powers of the NL East and the West. That is who they need. It's Jack Flaherty
3: And Greg, it's important for us to point out here, because we're in St. Louis, the Yankees replaced Jordan Montgomery with Frankie Montas. There were a lot of people here that were upset that the Cardinals didn't get Montas. They got Montgomery because the Yankees got Montas. The Yankees sure would like to have Jordan Montgomery right now. No
8: doubt. Although I will say this, Domingo Herman should be able to slide in. Clark Schmidt had moments of brilliance last year for the Yankees. He's going to get a chance. But Domingo Herman, I think they're very confident for a number five starter that he's going to be able to get the the job done. I I did not think that this is the best rotation in the American League. We had this conversation the other day uh, in studio. I think the best rotation in the American League doesn't belong to the Houston Astros, who let Justin Berlander leave. I know they've got Christian Javier, Frambois Valdez. It's a really good staff. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, uh, Tyler Glasnow is, to me, the nastiest pitcher next to Shohei Ohtani in the American League. And he will be a finalist for that award with Ohtani. Tyler Glasnow with Shane McClanahan. Do not overlook the addition of Zach Eflin. They were like, oh, the Rays spent money on Zach Eflin. That's weird. They know more than we do. I don't know what it is. I, I, I think all the all the uh, balloons you're seeing in the air, that's, that, that's equipment from the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> they know what's going on everywhere. And they know Zach Eflin's the next breakout pitcher in the sport. They gave him a big contract. Uh, then you get this Rasmussen kid. They're stacked. I mean, one through five. Little uh, Springs, to the left hander who they just inked a new deal for. He had a sub three ERA. I think the Rays have the best rotation. I think the Rays are going to be a team that causes havoc in the American League.
3: Greg, before you said the Rays, I thought you were going with Gossman, Manoa, Bassett, Barrios, and Kikuchi. I thought you were going Jays rather than Rays. No,
8: no, okay. I, I, I love I love Alec Manoa. I do, but the guys around him just aren't. As swing and miss as as the guys in Tampa Bay, I think I think the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, uh, we're gonna have a prediction show and everything. Uh, they're my pick to win the World Series. Wow, the the Tampa Bay Rays, unbelievable. Yeah, they're great. Uh, I, I know it's hard to believe but they've got the team that doesn't strike out anymore. They've literally, it's almost like they've baited the sport into, <laughs> hey, this is how you do it. This is how you put a roster together. Hey, this is how you do it. Swing and miss doesn't matter. Are you buying it? Are you buying it? Hey, bullpen, you should get an opener. Don't start the game with a starter. Start it with a reliever. Everyone, you should do it. You're dumb if you don't. Everyone did it. They followed them, and then all of a sudden, they pulled the carpet from underneath their feet. They've got a traditional rotation. They've got a lineup that doesn't strike out, and they're probably going to win the World Series. It's
3: hilarious. Amazing. You're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. How's the weather? We played golf yesterday.
8: I wish I could. I'm busy every day to make them work, work Randy. I got to get a new agent. I got to get a new agent.
3: (laughs) I need a deal where I don't have to
4: work.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're on to me, Randy. You're on (laughs) to me. See you later. Take care. (laughs) Take care, guys. Thanks. Greg Hamzinger, MLB Network, on 101 ESPN. Always fun to have him on. <laughs> That's the agent. He's got to go to Rob Manfred and say, okay, Greg really wants to be with you guys. He wants a lot of money, but he doesn't want to
4: work. doesn't want to work <laughs> as much as you got him working. Here we find a way. <laughs>
3: Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. One ESPN." You're
4: back to
2: the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out
1: there?
3: With Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocky, I'm Randy Carricker. A quick ticket or leave it here on 101 ESPN. And coming up, we're going to get your ideal Cardinal lineup and then your disaster Cardinal lineup that's coming your way. Kerry, uh, since January 1st of 2015, Kansas City has three major sports championships, the Royals in 2015 and, of course, the Chiefs twice. The only city with more championships since January 1st of 2015 is the Bay Area with mm. Oakland, San Francisco, with the Warriors winning four. Take it or leave it. Kansas City is sneaky, one of the best sports towns in America.
4: Uh, I'll take it. I, I would have thought that the, the, the uh, Boston area—they haven't won. They have—they I mean, have won one more. They won three also. Three. Okay, I, I, I thought so. Yeah, I, I will take it. They've done a. I mean, when you get one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, it makes life a little bit easier to be a champion. Yeah. In in football, I yeah. think that that has helped them immensely. Yeah. Having won Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. New Randy, England, by the way, two for the Patriots and then the Red Sox in twenty eighteen. When did
3: the Bruins win? They haven't won since two thousand eleven, I don't oh, think. Because okay. they lost to us in twenty nineteen. There you go. Right.
4: Yeah. Well, it was something like that. Yeah. Randy, um we've been talking about, you know, Jordan Walker and 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 Mason Wynn. Take it or leave it, those are the two both those are the next two. MVP candidates for the Cardinals, meaning those two will be top five when Goldie and Arenado are done. Those two will be the next two MVP candidates that the Cardinals have. Okay. So that can finish top yeah. 10, top five year in and year out. Okay. The only other players that I would put into that realm
3: are O'Neill and Carlson. But I am going to go with you because of Walker's offensive prowess and the fact that when has that skill set that he possesses, very Mm -hmm. similar to to Trey Turner's. I'm going to take that. I think that's a really good call. If you're talking about cornerstone-type players where you say, okay, that guy could win an MVP heading into the season. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to agree. All right. Your text, 314 399 uh, we, we got a, a question on the old text line. What does Yo-Ho mean? Well, if you look at your phone and you're looking at letters on your <laughs> phone numbers, you, what you get out of 96.46 is Y-O-H-O. That's one of the words that you can get. Probably the best word that you can get. So it's three one four three nine nine 399 yo ho for your take it or leave it. So Matthew, what do you got?
6: Here we go. Take it or leave it. The Rays won't be able to afford glass now in two years, and that's when the Cardinals trade for him.
3: Need to pounce, yes. Need to trade the next Randy Rosarena for glass now. Or maybe just trade him with Matthew Libertor for a class now. Hmm. I don't oh. know. I'm just saying.
6: Listen, I mean, why? why you know what? Why I mean, I think we could package Yvonne Herrera and Matthew Libertor for Mike Trout, but no. that's just me. Um, take it or, take or leave it. Valentine's Day chocolate is just as good the day after, only it's half-priced. Take oh, I'll it.
4: Take it.
3: Yeah, I no mean, doubt about it. Listen. 100%.
6: 100% doesn't
4: have do the
3: effect. But yeah, if you want to eat it, it's just as good.
4: Uh, you know, who knows?
3: Yeah, it's true. Good point. <laughs>
4: Is what
5: it is. <laughs> what is what, what's the uh,
3: what? What is the positive uh, chemical that the brain emits? Serotonin. When, it, when you when the, you eat candy,
4: I think it's serotonin. Okay, that's, I don't know if that's good or not. I think, uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I, uh, I don't okay. think it's serotonin though. does not serotonin make you tired? or something? Yeah,
6: I think so. Um, So there's four brain chemicals that make you happy. It's dopamine, Dopamine. oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. I don't know which one. Endorphins are exercise. Yes. Dopamine. Um, Dopamine comes from candy. When
3: we eat sweet foods, the brain's reward system called the... Mesolimbic dopamine system Gets activated Dopamine is a brain chemical Released by neurons And can signal That an event was positive When the reward system fires There you go It reinforces behaviors Which is what we want to do Reinforce those behaviors By giving candy Making it more likely For us to carry out These actions again Okay guys Candy is a key here I didn't even know it Dopamine Keep it in mind Serotonin
6: serotonin is uh, what makes you feel good When people like Say nice things about you And like pump you up And stuff like that I think dopamine's better I uh um, So now I you know fun via radio. Uh, the more you know do 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 um Sorry, I couldn't, help that. I couldn't help myself on that one. Taylor, it leave me, Randy just said that Jordan Walker is going to be an MVP every year. I don't think that's what you said.
3: Yeah, I did. Uh, and he is. <laughs> and the Cardinals, here's the other thing. Cardinals are going to win the World Series every year. Every they, year. And if they don't, I, because you know, I can hold him accountable, I am going to fire John like, first time. They don't. I, I time the... not
4: But Randy, I don't, I don't think that's how that works. Uh, people say that, Randy, but you got to hold him accountable. You, yeah. I, I don't think you can fire him, though. Damn it! We should have asked him. I, I, maybe next time I'll yeah, ask okay. him. We'll you ask think? him. Randy has the power to to so hold we'll, you accountable. We'll, hold you accountable. Yeah, yeah. via firing <laughs> or, or or you know replacing you, John. I'm just because our text line says Randy doesn't do enough holding you accountable <laughs> and which we assume we assume that means he needs to fire you. Yeah. I got
6: one more that's incredibly yeah. niche for you It's perfect. Take it or leave it. If Red Shane Dean's had won the 1968 World Series, he'd be in the Hall of Fame as a player and a manager.
3: That's a great call. I would take that. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A very you win two like world it. championships. Yeah, or or three world championships. Yeah. So you, if you're a manager that has three World Series titles, yes, you uh, No, he didn't win in 64. He uh, Johnny Keem won in 64. <laughs> but you win a couple Yes. And I would argue that if the Cardinals had not traded Steve Carlton, that Red would probably be a Hall of Fame manager. So, yeah, that's a great
6: call. Uh, somebody else says take it or leave it. ESPN needs to do more brain chemistry on the air.
4: Ah, take we it. We all learned all right, something well we there. just Come on. did it. Yeah. Just we'll, enough. We'll, 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 we'll I like that. We'll, I don't you know, know how much well, I don't know how much you want to listen to us talk about brains and bodies and things of that nature.
6: So, it's so we we figured out that candy comes candy gives you dopamine. Is that what we figured out? Yeah,
3: chocolate yes. or Is it chocolate? Chocolate. No, uh, no. Yeah, to, okay. so candy will provide dopamine. Okay,
6: gotcha.
4: All right? Yeah. So that's you know. the thing that has my son bouncing off the walls when he eats candy. That is. Yeah, Yeah. it's a positive I mean, reinforcement. I think it's more just sugar. That but, might be it, too. Okay,
3: <laughs> you kind of know our, our ideal Cardinal lineup, but what would Ali and the front office do that would be a disaster Cardinal lineup with what they have on hand? That's
5: next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner.
1: are back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take.
2: Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app.
3: This is my way-too-early lineup, but tell me what you think. I've got Brendan Donovan leading off, 394 on base last year. We both love Dylan Carlson, so I have the switch hitter hitting second. And then Goldie and Arenado. they're locked in as my three four-hitters. Uh, healthy Tyler O'Neal hitting fifth. Contreras, sixth. My DH combo, Yepes, gorman hitting seventh. Newtbar eighth. Edmund, ninth. I absolutely love that. All right, Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. That's, that's the lineup that I think would be ideal, Kerry. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the Cardinals are capable of messing up this lineup with the players that they have. And so right now, you know that against right-handed pitching, Gorman is going to be your designated hitter, right? And by the way, he's considered one of the breakout hitters in baseball. Cardinals really like what they've seen early on from Nolan Gorman. So there's your DH. It's Arenado. Arenado. I'm not putting DeYoung in there. I'm going to go Arnato Edmund, Donovan, Goldie. Obviously Contreras is behind the plate. And then O'Neill, Carlson, and Lars Zubar. I think there's the capability for the Cardinals to mess this up and here's why. Okay. Uh, Dylan Carlson is, uh, he's a guy that struggles at times with the right-handed pitching. So I, I think you did need a, a left-handed hitting center fielder, i.e. Cody Bellinger, you didn't get him. But here's where I think the Cardinals can mess up. If they hit the left-handed hitting Newt Bar leadoff and Donovan second, mm-hmm. and then Goldie and Arenado three, four, which is logical. And then at times in the past, when Tommy Edman is hot, they've hit him fifth. I think that'd be a huge mistake. Contreras and O'Neill, and here's where I think they could screw it up. If you have Carlson hitting eighth, Gorman hitting ninth, Newt Barr hitting leadoff, and Donovan hitting 2nd. You are providing the other team an opportunity to bring in a left-handed reliever and just dominate you yeah. for four consecutive hitters. I think the Cardinals need to do a really good job of taking a look at that and making sure that there's balance so that half of your lineup can't be dominated
4: by a left-handed pitcher. I, I agree with that. I, I I have for my... You don't want to have that left-handed pitcher just be able to run through the lineup and and Put you in, in trouble. For me, my best lineup would be Edmund Contreras, mm. Mm. okay, Goldie Arenado, Walker, okay, O'Neill, Carlson, Yepes Yepes slash Gorman DH, and then Donovan, okay, as the as the ninth area. No Newt. Un, well, I mean, I got Jordan we Walker. Got, we got we Jordan somebody, Walker in there. Somebody yeah. got to sit out. Yeah, right? Okay, okay. I, I mean, it's. It's, now, here's it's, one thing you can do with that
3: is you could, if you've determined that the struggles of Dylan Carlson batting left-handed are so acute, you could have a platoon instead. of Okay. Fans.
4: Yes, I, and I'm okay with that. I, I just, for me, Contreras. I think it would be too much pressure for Walker to be batting second. I don't know what I don't know what your thoughts are about that with Contreras batting in front of. I have no problem with that. But here's Tony one of the I things.
3: This is what Tony always used to do. Do. Like, Chris Duncan always got this benefit. he did hit dunk second so that he saw all those pitches hitting yeah. in front of Albert. Contreras yeah. will see a ton of pitches hitting second, and so would Walker hitting in front of Correct. Goldie and Arnada, which
4: would yeah. be great for those guys. Yeah. I, I, I like that lineup. What? rock what well, do you I think
6: I think the interesting part about this because you talk about the the ideal one's pretty obvious you can you can fool around with you know Tyler O'Neill and Newt Barr, whoever's hitting the hottest but I think John Jose probably put it the
5: best first off I think there's a there's a couple things and, and when I bring up this name don't shoot me it's if
6: Paul DeYoung's consistently in the lineup I think that that's that's the the worst case scenario and I don't I think, I don't uh, think he a, will a lot be. of the a lot of the textures agree the same thing a disaster, a disaster of a starting lineup yeah. for the Cardinals starts on opening day if Paul DeYoung young is starting over Edmund or Donovan or even at da if he's in the lineup,
4: throw in the towel and don't watch another game. I don't think he is because of how they've been speaking about Mason Wynn. Where if there were some injuries in the middle infield, if you have, I mean, which one is the is the better infielder? Would you say Mason Wynn? I mean, in terms Young, of defense? Yes. Yeah. De- uh, Mason Young is, is really good, but, but Mason Wynn would be better. better. If their hitting is the same, essentially not performing well, which would you rather have on the team, on the field? One guy has a chance to get better. There you go. There you go, right. and and so I don't see, as much as we've been talking about Paul DeYoung, I don't see him being a a a factor on this team as much as some people are concerned about if he's not if he's not hitting. And Mo talked yesterday with us about basically
3: him showing enough so that he can be on the team and be a reasonable utility guy. Yes, the Cardinals, they know what they've seen the last three years, and it's not going to turn around. Based on spring training, they're going to believe the last thing they saw in games, which was Brendan Donovan, who they were using at the top of the lineup, Newt Barr using at the top of the lineup, and DeYoung, who was an an essential Mm non-factor. They're going to believe that. They aren't shying away from that. But he does have a chance like he did last spring by the way when he hit about 500 to enhance his value to the team if he's turned things around and is able to get the most out of his physical abilities which have not deteriorated it's his mental ability his approach that's deteriorated
4: and that's the most important part of it i mean you will have your physical skills can stay you know a little bit longer but when you mentally are tapped out or unable to think that you can achieve or attain success You might as well call it a day, yeah. Because you're 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 out of it. You, as talented, I've seen some really talented guys that for whatever reason got in their head and couldn't catch footballs, Mm -hmm. didn't know, you know, it, it just happens, and you have to figure out a way to get out of that mindset to to kind of snap yourself back into what got you there. I don't know if he's been able to correct it this spring training or if he will be able to correct it this spring training. Hopefully he he does for his sake because you don't want to be that guy that had all the potential, all the all of the, the the accolades and all of the things that you could have been, but for some reason you just couldn't figure out how to hit the ball anymore, you don't want to be that guy. So hopefully he can figure that out and get it corrected. But if not, I'm not too concerned about him having a, a big role on this team going forward.
3: By the way, one thing, Kerry, I want to go back to Dylan Carlson because we're reaching a point with him. He's got 933 career plate appearances versus right handed pitchers. Nine hundred and thirty three plate appearances. He has a two twenty five batting average, only a three oh seven on base, a three eighty slug, and only a six eighty six OPS. We're reaching that point now where the sample size is big enough to make a determination about what Dylan Carlson is going to be as a left handed.
4: And hitter. and if he's not performing at the level that you would want him to. Maybe that's an Alec Burleson starts getting mm-hmm. those opportunities because, or in your lineup, in, in, Lars, in, in Lars Newbar. <laughs> I mean, someone else will get that opportunity yeah. if he's not able to perform. And I think this is the this is the thing as a coach, you know, as a as a fan. This, these are the things. This is the time that excites me when you have a young group of guys all vying for for starting position. You got guys, older guys, coming off of injuries, trying to reestablish themselves. It gives you an opportunity to really see who deserves to be where? Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about Callie Rosen and and how he's just continued to prove himself over and over again. Some of these younger guys are going to have opportunities, especially with the world baseball classic. You're going to have a lot of guys getting at bats and getting opportunities to really see who they are versus some major league pitching versus some major league ball clubs. And, I'm I'm for one excited about that because I love the competition aspect of sports. That's today's fresh take on one oh one ESPN coming up. The blues back in action tonight. They take on the Devils
3: over at Enterprise Center. And it's an ESPN Plus game, but you can hear it here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game coming your way. Is pregame really at 7? Do we have an 8 o'clock ESPN Plus game? Our our sign up here says pregame at 7. I don't believe it. We'll get that nailed down. And John Kelly with the voice of the Blues on Valley Sports will join us next on 101 ESPN. It is an 8 8 8 o'clock.
4: How about that? That's late. It is. You know every game used to start at 8 o'clock back in the day? Randy I told you the other day these these late yeah, games are to too. It's a little troubling for me Yeah, so, yeah. I, I should always trust our board up here that says pregame at 7 o'clock
3: so pregame at 7 tonight here on 101 ESPN for the Blues and the New Jersey Devils John Kelly is next on 101 ESPN You're
2: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers
3: Davis, Randy character, the opening drive, 101 ESPN John Kelly, the voice of the blues on Valley Sports Midwest, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. JK, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good. Panger was telling us on Tuesday what a stalwart you are and we know that you're 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 just there. You love to work, you love to do the games and a week like this where you've got especially coming off of the 11-day break where where you ESPN Plus is doing the games, that gets to you, doesn't it?
9: It's painful. It really is. And, you know, that's my wife. She's, she's, I'm driving her crazy. So, in my family, yeah. So, no, I love hockey, as you know, and I wish I could do, quite honestly, every single game, but that's the way it is. And uh, But it's another night off for, for the Kelly family here in St. Louis, so that's the way it is. But hopefully the Blues can play as well as they did the other night. And make it three in a row.
4: When you're when you're watching the game and you're hear, hearing other announcers call it, do you get? Does that give you a little bit of frustration as well? Saying, "Oh, I would have said that," or "I would have <laughs> said that differently," or what are they talking about? Do you feel that at times? No, nah,
9: not really, Kerry. I try to be respectful, mm-hmm. and everyone does their best, and everybody's different, and I wouldn't want people doing that to me. So, yeah. no, I don't. I just, you know, I really concentrate on what the Blues are doing. Um, you know, the line combinations and things like that. Um, not, I don't really listen so much to the announcer as, as to really watch the Blues.
3: J.K., there there was an interesting statistic, and I don't know that there's anything really to it, but this season the Blues were a lot better when Vladimir Tarasenko was not in the lineup as opposed to when he was. Do you think that's a coincidence, 14-21-3 with Tarasenko in the lineup, and now 11-4 and four without him? Is that coincidence, or is there something to that?
9: You know, I don't know. That's a good question, and it's a a number that I was aware of, Randy, um, but I find it very surprising because, you know, overall, he's been a very good player for the Blues. Uh, I thought last year coming off shoulder surgery, he had a really good year, but this year to me, specifically, he wasn't as engaged as he was last year or in previous years, and I don't know why that is. I mean, he had only scored 10 goals with the Blues when he was traded, so it's it's a little bit of a, a puzzle to me as to why he wasn't more engaged. I mean, the guy has a lot on the line. He's an unrestricted free agent. Obviously, he'd like to get another contract and make a lot of money. So it it, it has been a puzzling season as far as Tarasenko. They got an assist last night in their win in Vancouver, but... He, he wasn't as good with the Blues this year as he was last year.
4: Hey John, the Blues scored twelve goals in their first two games after the break. What have you seen from them coming out that you talked about Teresinko not being there and, and being a better team? What have you seen from them on the ice that, that has allowed them to play so well?
9: Well, I think that first of all, I think they needed that break carry going into the break. They had lost five in a row and they looked like a team that was, you know, running on fumes. Of course, they were missing three of their key players. And they got three key players back for the Arizona game. So that's obviously a, a big, you know, thing. Obviously a team with three of their top forwards on the sideline and they get them back. So that's the big thing. And the and they were skating well and forward-checking well and, you know, creating a lot of offense. And I, I thought the first period against Arizona in the first game back, they were a little bit rusty. But they had only had a couple of practices after a 12-day layoff. But in the last two periods, they really found their game. I know they let the lead slip away, but offensively, they created a ton, and I thought they did a really good job the other night against the Florida Panthers.
3: John, Jordan Kyrou, for the second year in a row, is essentially a point-of-game player, a little more than a point-of-game player this year. And now he's going to be, right, the number 1 right wing with Vladimir Tarasenko out the door. You've seen enough of Kyrou to make some I have some thoughts about what he can be. What are those thoughts? What do you think Jordan Cairo can become when he reaches his ceiling?
9: I, I think for sure he can be a forty goal, hundred point man, Randy, and and lead this team in scoring. You know, a lot of years, not necessarily every year, but um, you know, the ceiling is really high for him. I, I think where we need to see growth with him is in two areas. I think number one, consistency. You know, when he's on his game, his A game is really good. I mean, really good. Um, But then he doesn't have a B game some nights. You know, he has a a C game. And then that's common for young players. So I think that he has to be a little bit more consistent. And I think the other thing is that he has to take the high-risk elements out of his game. In other words, don't turn the puck over at the offensive blue line on a three-on-two and let the team come back. Um, at your end with a three-on-two in your own zone. So things like that. Um, be stronger on the wall, compete harder, things like that. You know, I'm sure that Baruby says all these things all the time about certain players um, when things aren't going well. But I think that's what he needs to do is those two areas to become a a better, more rounded player. But the facts are he's got high-end skill. And, and, again, I think he could hit that 40-goal, you know, 100-point mark, no question.
4: Hey, J.K., the uh, Devils coming in tonight. They only have three losses in regulation on the road this year. What do the Blues need to do to get to them early uh, to to try to get this win?
9: Well, you know, with any skilled team, and and we should remind the folks that it doesn't look like Jack Hughes will play. He's week to week with an upper body injury. He has 35 goals, and I was really impressed with Hughes when the Blues played the Devils a few weeks ago. Uh, He had a couple of goals against the Blues. The Blues came back and won that game but he's a really good player. But they still have Nico Heischer and Justin Brad, who have 21 goals apiece. So uh, I think the biggest thing with the Devils that, that I've seen watching them play is they've got a ton of speed. So to me, the, in the offensive zone, your your third forward has got to be up up high. You can't get caught in odd man breaks the other way and, you know, control the puck and, and have the puck if you can, but you're not going to have it all night, we know. So uh, you, you have to play a smart game against a, a really good team. They're 35-13-5, having one of the best seasons in the NHL. So I, I think you got to control that speed and skill by playing a smart puck possession game.
3: And, John, that's a franchise in New Jersey that struggled for a while. They've bounced back now. Back in November, they promoted Martin Brodeur, who we know well, to vice president of hockey operations. We know how smart he is. I have to believe that this is not a fluke for New Jersey, that with the people that they have in charge there, Tom Fitzgerald and, and Martin Brodeur, this is probably the start of a pretty good run for that organization.
9: Yeah, well, they have, as we said, Randy, they have some really good young players, uh, you know, Jack Hughes is a superstar already mm-hmm. with 35 goals. So they're going to build around him. They have his brother coming. I think he's at Michigan, a defenseman who's a really good player as well. So um, they're a team that I think underperformed last year. And early on this year, they got off to a tough start. And the fans were really on Lindy Ruff, the head coach. And and now look what's happened to that team. Again, they won 35 games and. And Lindy Ruff has done a fantastic job. So, you know, you mentioned Martin Brodeur and the GM Tom Fitzgerald, but you can't overlook the job that Lindy Ruff, a very experienced coach, has done with that team. Um, As you said, they're a good young team, and they're
4: going to be good for a while. Hey, John, did you watch the Super Bowl this past Sunday? Of course I did. Now, you seem like a pretty easygoing guy. There was a 2B commercial that came on that seemed like (laughs) the channel changed. Were you one of those people that jumped up screaming, who has the remote?
9: I didn't. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that commercial. You didn't what, see what, what the commercial, exactly? Oh, it was. Uh, a, well, com- I probably did, but I'm not familiar with. Well, it. Well, it
4: was a commercial that looked like the channel was changing, uh, and everyone in their houses was jumping up wondering who had the remote because it was it, it was the the way that they set up the commercial. It looked like someone had changed the channel, so I I, I started screaming at my son, <laughs> wondering what the heck he was doing because only he could do something like that in the middle of the Super Bowl.
9: Right. Yeah. No. I. I probably saw it, but didn't really. You know, it didn't register. But oh. yeah, that's that, that. My my wife and, and my mother were there, and my mother in law, and they they love the commercials, and um. But we had a good time. I thought it was a great game, and uh, so happy for for you know Mahomes in in Kansas City, a, a Missouri team, obviously, and um, Mahomes to me is the most dynamic player in the league. He's so fun to watch, and um, he he, he really. Obviously, put that team on his back in the second half, and it was a
3: great—it was a great Super Bowl. Absolutely, J.K. Great to hear your voice. Thanks so much. We always love having you on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys, thank you. See you, John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues, joins us every Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up with Carrie, Randy, and Matthew, we've got the fight. Stick around
2: you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers welcome to the fight in the red
1: corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning.
4: back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis joined by Matthew Rocchio and it is time for the fight and our fighter today is Sean. Sean, how are you doing? Hey, fantastic. Top of the morning, gentlemen. Top of the morning. Are you ready to take on Megamind? I'm ready to dominate the day, baby. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Which school holds the current record for most weeks as the number one AP ranked team in NCAA basketball history? Is it Kansas, Kentucky, or or UCLA.
6: UCLA. All right, we talked a lot of WBC lately. Which con- country took home the last World Baseball Championship tournament championship in 2017? Was it Puerto Rico, Japan, or the USA?
3: Uh, I'll go with Japan.
8: They do like their baseball there.
6: <laughs> yes, they do.
4: All right, which blue holds the single season franchise record for penalty minutes? With 306, is it Barclay Plager, Kelly Chase, or Bob Gasoff?
6: Ooh, I
10: will go with Plager.
6: All right, and happy birthday to Jerome Bettis. The Rams practically gave Bettis away before the 96 draft, getting just a second and fourth round pick in return, while also sending a third with Bettis to Pittsburgh. In that second-round pick in the 1996 draft, which eventual 1999 Super Bowl champion did they draft? Was that Leonard Little, Fred Miller, or Ernie Conwell? Ooh,
10: I'm going to go with Leonard Little. All
6: right, we'll double-check the scores, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Sean,
4: how you feeling? Ooh,
3: uh, that that was a little bit of a tough one. That baseball
8: question kind of threw me, but we'll see.
4: You, you you felt better coming into it than you did actually answering the questions?
8: Uh, definitely.
4: <laughs> it happens like that sometimes. Randy is coming back in. He's uh, got his all black on, and he's got his diet. Dr. Pepper, or is that uh, a regular? Yeah, Dr. Dr. Pepper. Pepper Zero. Dr. Yeah, Pepper Zero. Zero
3: sugar with uh, zero calories. He's, uh, he's ready to go. What Randy, the...
4: you, you're kind of looking like a mercenary. I don't know. You're not know you you got that on you. your mind today?
3: Uh, um, no, uh, the, 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 black is just apparently my color. <laughs> All right, you're so, looking good. Ready?
4: <laughs> say hello to Sean. Sean, good
3: morning. How you doing?
10: Yellow, Pretty good. You hey. got, got a tough
3: task ahead of you. Well, I know that because uh, these guys were talking about how much they enjoyed the controversial questions before we even before I walked out the door. They were saying, Carrie was saying, come on, give the guy a break sometime. (laughs) And uh, Matthew was saying, "Nope, I'm going to get you. I I love the gotcha questions. (laughs) And so Matthew was saying uh, that that's what he wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, we're we're fine, though. It's we'll we'll be all right. So but I appreciate that uh, you
4: told me that I have a tough task ahead of me. (laughs) You ready, Randy? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Which school holds the current record for most weeks as the number one AP-ranked team in NCAA basketball history? Okay. Most weeks at the top.
3: I think we'll probably have the three that I would think as the three lifelines. And that would be Kentucky, Kansas, and UCLA. UCLA spent a lot of time at number one under John Wooden. A lot of time. Kentucky has been there. KU has been there. Um, Indiana has been there. Hard for me to imagine, though, that with that 10-year run where they won the championship every single year, that it wouldn't be the ucla bruins so i will go with ucla
6: all right randy we've talked a lot about the world baseball classic lately which country took home the last world baseball classic tournament championship in 2017 usa 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 yep
4: Good. all right randy which blue holds the single season franchise record for penalty in penalties in minutes with 306 i think it's steve
3: durbano i'm gonna go with uh should I go with Steve Drabano, or was it Lozy? Steve Drabano was a maniac. I'll do the lifeline just in case. Give me the lifeline.
4: Bar-K- Barclay Plager. No. Kelly Chase. No. Bob Gassoff. Oh, Bob Gassoff.
3: There you go. Okay. Yes, said Okay. Gasser, yes, eh? All right, Steve Drabano was a nut job. I mean, like, a certifiable.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Lozy might have the most, like, minutes per, like penalty minutes like ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, Happy birthday to the bus Jerome Bettis, Randy. The Rams practically gave Bettis away before the 96 draft, getting just a second and fourth round pick in return while also sending a third alongside Jerome Bettis. With that second round pick they got from Bettis, which eventual 1999 Super Bowl champion did they draft? Second round,
3: 1996, Tony Banks and Ernie Conwell. So I will have to go with... uh, my guy, big fella, I mean, you, you talk about guy that you walk into a locker room and he's just, sta- he's different. Yeah. Ernie Comwell was one of those guys. So I'm going to go with Ernie Comwell, the uh, tight end from the University of Washington, who's a, an absolute sweetheart, living in Nicheville, Tennessee now. There you go. So I'm at DV's, uh, DV's uh, Hall of Fame induction, but just... I saw him more recently than that I must have seen him in town But yeah, I love Ernie Conwell One of my all-time favorites So I'm going to go with 1996 draft second round Tony Banks was not here Ernie Conwell was I'm going to go with Ernie, the Husky
6: Alright, did my gotcha questions trip up Randy Carricker? Or does Megamind move right along with a win over Sean? Ring that
2: bell! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by mobile on the run. Join the on the run STL wash club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app
6: today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Sean. That means Randy Carricker beat you today on the fight. He got you three to nothing. Mm, ouch!
2: Yeah, that was a
3: tough one. He crushed me.
6: <laughs> right, my apologies, Sean. I'll take I'll take the the blame on that one. Let's talk about. No, this. you were great. Let's let's talk about these questions. The gotcha question. First off, which school holds the current record for to- most total weeks as the number one AP ranked team in NCAA basketball history? Last year, Kentucky passed UNC. UCLA's not been great over the last twenty years. They've fallen back to fifth in the most total weeks wow. as number one overall. Kentucky is the answer to that question. Well, we talked a lot about the World Baseball Classic lately, the last World Baseball Classic tournament champion. The reigning champs from 2017 going into this year is, in fact, the United States of America, which blue holds the single-season franchise record for penalties and minutes. It is, in fact, Bob Gasoff with 306. He's the only blue ever with over 300 penalty minutes. And happy birthday to Jerome Bettis. The Rams practically gave Bettis away in the 1996 draft, giving him the second and the fourth. They gave up Bettis in a third, and they would draft Ernie Conwell, the tight end, with that second round pick. So Randy wins this one, 3-0. Sean, thank you so much for joining the fight. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. Make sure Randy gets all Patriots questions tomorrow. Just get under his skin a little bit. There you go.
3: (laughs) I know my Patriots history, Yes,
6: because what I usually like to do is make Randy angry going into the weekend.
3: I remember Mac Heron. I remember Stanley Steamboat Morgan. (laughs) I remember that group. I was a
6: big Patrick Pass fan.
3: Patrick Pass back Mm. in the day. Yep, there you go.
4: Yeah, there, there were a few guys that could play for them so I, I thought the first one would be a gotcha because it says current record for most mm-hmm. weeks and i was like yeah it might be a little bit of a tough one yeah and so and UK the current, surprise me. the current is what i thought may because you said ucla which would have been well, if it wasn't current th- probably I all think, time i think because
6: yeah. the, when i ran across the fact that kentucky overtook it last year i think maybe that just kind of Hedged my wording in Ben when I, I saw told that you just you happened. You didn't have anything year. to worry about. Well, yeah, again, you, you, you were, thought it was a gadget question, but you were, okay. you were stressing and it was no need well, to. Well, yeah, because I immediately, as soon as I hand you the sheet, you start looking at me like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you're in trouble, big boy.
4: And that's not a good reaction. It's not. I, I will hold back my my thoughts from here on out. I won't say oh, Don't, do that. No, don't, don't do, that. do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Well, I, uh, it's a little fun watching Rock sweat just a little bit <laughs> oh, yeah! I'm you, telling you when I said that Randall he was, saw, he was ready don't... to go he was trying to find another question I said don't you change questions we're gonna stick with this one
3: and uh, what did I say I, I said the exact
4: same thing did stick I not stick
3: with it yep. yeah yeah all right a couple of things that you need to know number one you need to download the uh, st louis city sc app they're giving away tickets for their first home game which is going to be awesome uh, on saturday march 4th when they take on charlotte so make sure that you download the C- st louis city sc app and we're going to have Lutz on tomorrow right talk about getting yes, ready for the start of the season Lutz, Fawn and steel and also the cardinals are uh going to have another event another hiring event and so that's important for you to know as well and as we go along here during the course of the day we'll tell you about that they i worked at the ballpark as a college job and it was awesome so if you get the opportunity and you will get further opportunities take advantage of the cardinals uh, with their events uh, they had one yesterday and they're going to have more throughout the course of the spring matthew carrie randy coming up we talked earlier about The shoulder injury suffered by Frankie Montas of the Yankees. How important is it for the Cardinals to have Jack Flaherty's shoulder healthy? That's next on 101
2: ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: It's it's, it's not so much like during the season, as much as it can change how you think about October, and you know, I don't want to you know suggest we're already there. But my point is, when you can
3: match up a one versus a one in October, you you, you feel like you have a better chance of winning, right? And and we all watched how starting pitching in this past uh, postseason was was really dominant, same with bullpen. But I
5: do think like if Jack can emerge to be that type of pitcher that 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 gets that type of start and can be that type of, of, of arm, yeah, it definitely changes the outlook of our year.
3: That's Cardinal President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak yesterday with Kerry and I here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And Jack Flaherty essentially has had three wasted years. So we're we might be clinging to some false hope here, right? Because in 2019, down the stretch, he was unbelievable. 2020, He only started nine games, and that was because of COVID, and the Cardinals were very protective of him. Then he was the best pitcher in the league on Memorial Day when he got hurt against the Dodgers in 2021, and we basically didn't see him again. And then last year, he made eight starts, and it was kind of stop and start because of the shoulder issue. The Yankees announced yesterday that Frankie Montas is going to undergo shoulder surgery, and they think that he will be back late in the season if he is at all. But shoulder injuries are really dicey. Kerry, over the course of Jack Flaherty's career, and by the way, he has thrown 523 innings, if he plays a 162-game schedule... His numbers extrapolate to a 3.41 earned run average, 178 innings, 204 strikeouts, 64 walks. He's brilliant. If the Cardinals could get six months out of Jack Flaherty, I think that he could do what uh, John Mozeliak's talking about. I think he can match up with any starter in the National League, in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, when you have him as the number one, We've said it before. Michaelis as a number two, different animal altogether. Montgomery as a number three, rather than number number two, different animal altogether. I think the key to this spring training lies solely in the health of Jack Flaherty, and I do think that the expectations for the team, if he's healthy, rise exponentially with each start he
4: makes. Yeah, we have a lot of texters that get a, get frustrated when we talk about ifs. Mm-hmm. If Jack Flaherty is healthy, if Tyler O'Neill is healthy. That that's where we are right now. We haven't seen it uh, consecutively. We haven't seen it enough times to know that it that it is a possibility. But we do know that when he is healthy, he is that ace that you're talking about. He is the guy that, you know, Mo talked about it yesterday. When you can have a one versus a one versus, as opposed to a two versus a one or a three versus a one, you're in a much better place. You talked about it when you were going down the rotations versus uh, the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Our one versus their one is better. Our two versus their two is better, and so on and so forth. But when you don't have that that ace, that guy that you can throw out every fifth day and know that he's going to eat up innings, he's going to give you six to seven innings, Hope maybe eight if, if he's really got it going, it, it changes your entire team. It changes... How many runs you got to score offensively? It changes how many innings your bullpen is pitching day in and day out, and so it it just really it makes it harder to be successful when you don't have that number one pitcher. And you you were talking about Frankie Montas with the shoulder injury, and Jack has had some of those injuries. I think last year he rushed back a little bit earlier from an injury than than he mm-hmm, should have. Yeah. Just just the eagerness to to want to get out there and prove himself because as a player, you know we we feel we do hear it. We we feel some of that pressure. We feel some of that pressure. Oh, this guy is making X amount of dollars and he hasn't pitched but this many innings in his entire career or the last three years. We do understand that. And we do understand that I have to go out there and show these people – that I can actually perform at the level that I'm being paid to perform at.
3: Because he is out of sight, out of mind. Bradford Doolittle at ESPN.com knows what he's talking about, and he's got a piece up right now. It is ESPN.com. Why didn't your team get blank? And the question for the Cardinals is, why the heck didn't the Cardinals get a legit number one starter? The response? I'm rolling my eyes. You see what my eyeballs are doing? They are rolling. You're always asking us about this, and we just keep winning and winning and winning. Our fans keep turning out. The best fans in baseball, you may have heard. We keep re-signing star players that we trade for. were favorites to win our division yet again. We also keep losing in October, but that's besides the point. That has nothing to do with this. Next question, please. Yes, Hmm. it'd be nice to have a more reliable guy, but the market this year passed the Cardinals up. I don't think the Cardinals... I don't think that they had foresight about where the market for starting pitching was going to go, and they, they blew it. Now, they have to count on Jack Flaherty, and that's why They didn't sign. That's a big part of why they didn't sign that frontline number one. Well, the biggest part was money, but they also still believe that Jack Flaherty can be that
4: guy. Let's take money out of it. Who was the pitcher that 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 Cardinal fans would have been been you know satisfied with bringing in as a number one over Jack Flaherty? Justin Verlander. Okay, so that's forty. So I guess we can't take money out of it. You know, but, but Justin Berlander is forty one. Yeah, he, he's he's my age. Right, right. Randy, I haven't played professional sports in ten to, years. We just I, I know all we care different. about us this year. We're, we're, yeah. that's the thing. We we don't for care about players. For forty three million dollars. Yeah, that's, one year. Yeah, well, two, two, two years, years. Two years. Uh, forty three million. Forty three million a year for two years. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no. What about Jacob deGrom? He's really good. He's healthy now, apparently. He, But he hasn't uh, been. Maybe he's not. No. He showed up with a bad side.
4: See, right. He, and, and they yep. were running down the list of injuries that he's had over the last few years. Who would be the person that, if you are a Cardinals fan, if you want to pay $43 million a year for, for a guy that's going to play every five days, okay, Rodon well, where else is, are you going to spend yeah.
3: the money? Carlos Rodon is what you hope Jack Flaherty becomes Over, okay. Rodon overco- overcame four years of serious injury issues and now he's had two relatively healthy years in a row so that would have been the guy but here's the thing Yankees gave Rodon six years of uh, a six-year contract for 136 million do you want to give a pitcher who has had two healthy years out of six
4: a, a new six-year contract He made 20 starts over four years before last year. If that's the case, then you just keep the guy that you already have that's already been injured. You don't go and spend more money on someone else that has also been injured. That's not logical. So that's my question. Who is the person that would, if you are a Cardinals fan, that you would just say, oh, that's the guy I wanted and that's the guy that would have made me feel so much better about where this team is going for next season? I will say this. If they would have
3: given Verlander eighty-six over two, and Verlander, he's married to Kate Upton. They wanted to be in New York. Okay, yeah, the, this is true. The, so the, the, Kate wasn't going to. St. Louis wasn't on her radar. Okay, right? So many
6: Detroit Tigers so, games she could go to before. Yeah, right. So, like, I'm she, out of the Midwest. Already moved
3: on. All right. So that part of it wasn't going to happen. But just the money part of it. If I could have, if the Cardinals would have gotten Max Scherzer for eighty-six over two, ideal, awesome. Yeah. But again, the Cardinals had signed Steven Matz, and they were gonna get they weren't going to get Max Scherzer because of that. So we're counting the bottom line is as Cardinal fans, we're counting on Jack Flaherty or the best rookie year from a starting pitcher in many, many years from Gordon Grsefo.
4: Otherwise, good luck. We are where we are. Yeah. And and I honestly think where we are is sufficient. I feel like we were talking about pro athletes with chips on their shoulder. And we talk about Travis Kelsey and how he was saying nobody believed in us. I honestly feel like Jack Flaherty has that mindset as well. He's going to be prepared mentally, physically to have the best season of his career. One, because what happens after this season if you play really well, Randy? For him. Money, money 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 big, big money yeah, you, from either it, from here or somewhere else, right or, or someone is going to pay him, so you want to be healthy, you want to have the best year possible. you know if there's a little bit of me involved in this like i want to do it for me, but I also want to win a championship, but I also know if I perform well, there's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money, yeah, and so if nothing else, you know i tell my i tell my uh I tell my uh parents this you know they they get some of them get frustrated when. You know, their children aren't going to the big schools that they like. And I say, you know, uh, I want every kid to go to Alabama. I want all of our kids to go to Georgia or, or Miami. I said, if if I'm selfish, and that makes me look better, doesn't it, if all of my kids are going to these Power 5 schools, so of course I want to win. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, for me. I love me. <laughs> I, may, I, I may not like your kid, but I love me, right? So there you go. Nobody, I, loves, I, you like nobody you love loves you like you love you. Nobody loves me like <laughs> me, Randy. <laughs> yes, that's where Jackie is. I want to win, but... Yeah, I want me to be successful. I'm (laughs) going to give you everything I got. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk a little NFL,
3: and The Athletic has ranked NFL franchises overall, quality of the franchise. You might be surprised by what's number one, and somebody in this room is really happy about it. That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Andy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing.
3: Over at The Athletic, Bob Sturm has put together a list where he grades all NFL teams during the Super Bowl era on the quality of their play. And he gives points, and it's an interesting setup. If you win the Super Bowl, you get 11 points. If you lose the Super Bowl, you get 5 points. If you get to an AFC or NFC championship game, you get 3 points, and if you make the playoffs, you get 1 point. Now, if you make the playoffs and get that 1 point, that's the only point you get in a year. But if you make the Super Bowl, get the 11 points, that means you can't gain more points by winning the Super Bowl, okay? Yes. So it's only a total of 11 points. So if you if you win the Super Bowl, you don't get the extra point for making the playoffs, okay. right? Okay. So in the 57 years that the Super Bowl has been in existence, he... Put this point system into play for every NFL franchise, and Bob Sturm still has the Pittsburgh Steelers as the number one franchise during the Super Bowl era with 116 points. The Patriots right behind with 115, then the Cowboys with 113, and the 49ers with 107. Kerry Davis, in the 57 years of the Super Bowl,
4: are you on board with that ranking? Well, I mean, it shows to the consistency. Uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers and that franchise. Mm-hmm. I, I talk about it all the time. One of the best businesses I've ever been a part of or ever been around, just how it's structured, how it starts at the top and it, it it really trickles down to everyone in that building from, you know, media personnel to, you know, the people that are doing the tickets to everyone that is there. It's a family atmosphere and all of those things help you be successful on the football field. I mean, you may think it's a, a minute detail or something minor, but all those things help you be successful on the football field when everyone is working in unison to, to a common goal. And, you know, to be able to to have won six Super Bowls, to have been in how many, eight, 16 AFC championship 16, games? Eight
3: and eight in AFC championship games.
4: Having having that many opportunities to play for a Super Bowl, it just, it, like I said, it speaks highly of, of what this organization is. There are, there were I thought that the, the the Kansas City Chiefs are on the rise. I mm-hmm. thought the New England Patriots would be, they're right behind the Steelers because of the run that they had over the last two decades with Tom Brady. You know, 15 AFC Championship games or opportunities to right. make it to the Super Bowl. It just, when you have an organization and a head coach, I think the, the thing that will be common on this list is how long head coaches stay in that right. position. And Kerry, people might think Steelers. Steelers are still in the midst
3: of a fifty year run of quality. Yes. Right? Fifty. Yeah. And the Patriots are in the midst of a twenty year yep. were until Brady left in the midst yep. of, of a twenty year run. The Packers are listed as number five on Bob Sturm's list the raiders who haven't been good for a long time but they were terrific during uh, up until 1984 and then they had a little bit of a run uh, after that when they went to the super bowl against tampa so the raiders are number 6 denver number 7 the rams are 8 we tend to forget that the rams were really really good during the 80s terrible mm-hmm. during the 90s uh, okay well awesome during of course the greatest show on turf and then they've been good for the last 6 or 7 years so the rams have kind of a, a history of being on a roller coaster, the Chiefs move up to number nine because they went on a 50-year drought of Super Bowls, so they move up to number nine with their victory, and then as you go down the list and you look at the the tiers as they continue, Giants 10th, and they've got four Super Bowl victories, Colts 11, Dolphins 12, they haven't been great for a long time, neither of the Commanders, they're 13th, Vikings 14th. (laughs) Eagles 15th, and then if you go all the way down to the bottom of the list, you've got the Jets at number 32, Browns at 31, Lions at 30, Bears at 29, Washington 28, Miami 27, Giants 26. So it's, uh, it's an interesting list, an in- a good job put together by, uh, by Bob Sturm at The Athletic. By the way, uh, that, that was wrong, what I just gave you. Uh, number 31 is the Lions, number uh, 32 is the Texans, 31 is the Lions. 30 is the Jags. 29, the Arizona Cardinals. What a shame, because that's the one organization that's been around for a long time, and they aren't even as strong as the Panthers who have been around since 1995. So, uh, pretty bad run by the Arizona Cardinals and, by the way, the, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. That is... Today's Big Thing here on 101 ESPN. Carrie and Randy with you, 911 Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Evan Drellich of The Athletic has a book out about the Houston Astros cheating scandal. And it is making some headlines. And he'll join us next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
3: Champion, Carrie Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And in this baseball town, one of the most explosive stories to break during the century has been the Houston Astros cheating scandal from the 2017 season and World Series. And Evan Drellick of The Athletic was one of the people that broke that story. He has a new book out. It's available at Amazon or wherever you get your book. It's called Winning Fixes Everything, and Evan Drellick joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Evan, thanks so much for the time. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, thanks for having me. Well, uh, we're thrilled to have you, and uh, this is something that still goes on, people still hating on the Astros, even though they won last year. But I want to start with a a question to kind of localize things, because we all remember here, Chris Correa, who had a really good year, in his only year as the Cardinal Scouting Director, getting banned from baseball because he thought the Astros were cheating through computer hacking. And you have some information about that in the book. What did you take out of what you learned from the the Chris Correa saga with the Cardinals and that involvement with Houston.
10: Yeah, look the, the book in general, um, and I, I don't say this uh, just to market my book. There is a lot of Cardinals involvement in this book, even though it is based on the Astros. The entire entire second chapter uh, is about the Cardinals, and then you know portions of other chapters as we progress in time uh, and deal with the Chris Correa uh, hacking scandal. Um, you know, my book has multiple Astros uh, employees saying that uh, what Correa alleged, that, that the Astros had taken Cardinals' information with them to Houston, was accurate. Uh, there are different different uh, things inside um, Houston's uh, systems or, or that were simply available, whether that be a uh, calculation that was developed by Mike Gersh, whether it was a biomechanical evaluation, Uh, done by a guy named Tim Levesque. Uh, But there were people on the inside in Houston uh, validating what Correa uh, had alleged.
4: Hey, Evan, as you all really dug into this cheating scandal, what was one of the most, I guess, surprising details that you learned uh, that the Astros had actually done?
10: Honestly, there's so much. The number of things that I got to in this book, I'm like, whoa, uh, this is wild. Um, I mean, having McKinsey and company sit down with your manager uh, and players in the middle of your World Series winning season, the callousness with which Jeff Luno was willing uh, to fire people, bringing George Springer into Houston when he's a minor leaguer on the pretense of an eye exam uh, so that you can isolate him from his agent and hopefully get him to sign a cheap contract. You know, you go down the list. Uh, There were so many things that happened. Even in St. Louis, when Luno was in St. Louis, uh, he, he, he's told to stay home, uh, for the day because, uh, a, a colleague at the Cardinals threatened to kick his ass if he came into the office. I mean, you know, it, it was a nonstop discovery of what went on under the hood and, um, You know, it's very different than than a lot of things that are portrayed publicly.
3: Evan Drellick from The Athletic has a new book out, and you need to check it out. It's called Winning Fixes Everything. It's about the Astros. And as Evan mentioned, the Cardinals are uh, prominently a part of the book. And another St. Louis and Jim Crane, who owns the Astros, is part of the issue as well. How significant was Jim Crane's involvement in all of this?
10: Well, you know, the book, as much as it explains in detail science stealing, it's really a management culture book. right? We're, we're, it's explaining and going through Jim Crane and Jeff Luno's arrival in Houston and what they built and what was going on behind the scenes. And uh, it was their culture. Right. know, Jim Crane arrived in Houston with a checkered business pass. There was a massive discrimination suit brought against his outside business, Eagle Global Logistics, before the Internet really took off. But it was a really ugly case. Uh, it was settled for millions of dollars. Uh, there was also war profiteering charges uh, against Crane that had people go to federal prison. Culture issues even before Crane gets there. Luno obviously had kind of a rough time in, in St. Louis while also doing some smart things. And, you know, the, Luno's St. Louis experience is kind of a whole thing writ large. It, 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 it was, uh, again, tumultuous in Houston while also doing things that were probably good for uh, constructing rosters.
4: Hey Evan, I'm I'm intrigued by Mike Fires, the, the the pitcher that really, I guess, got the ball rolling, the whistleblower, so to speak. What are what were the thoughts on him as a as a teammate with the Astros, and, and what are the thoughts on him now, knowing that he's the one that really got the ball rolling for this for this cheating scandal to be ousted the way that it did?
10: Yeah, so it's interesting, and this is one of the things that, um, you know, in the three years I was writing this book or, uh, was kind of hard for me to sit on and explain to people. But I think there's a, there's an assumption but because Mike fires went on the record that the whole thing kind of hinged on him, that our mm-hmm. reporting began with him, that if, you know, if we didn't talk to him, we wouldn't know. Um, and I, and I get why people assume that it, it, and it could have gone that way, I guess it's actually really the opposite of what happened. What happened is in October of, uh, 2018, I found out what the Astros had done from, from inside the team, firsthand sourcing, uh, it was kind of a complicated time. It took 13 months for me to get the story done. One job change in the middle. Um, and I pair up with Ken Rosenthal and we got to a point where the story was, was we were running it. it we had enough corroboration. You know, we, we felt good about it. Uh, we had the facts, but we still wanted to try to get somebody on the record. We were still making calls and three days before we publish, we call uh, Mike fires. Ken makes that phone call. Cause Ken is uh, really the best space reporter in the industry. And if somebody's gonna make that call, I want it to be Ken, you know, if we got one shot to get somebody on the phone. And, you know, we had the facts. And, and I don't know if Mike talked to us if we don't have the facts. You know, but it wasn't a phishing call. It wasn't, hey, did you hear anything about the Astros science dealing? It was, we're running a story. This is what we know happened. What can you tell us? And, you know, uh, to his credit, he was willing to talk about it. The toll for him has been heavy whistleblowers are rare in any industry. The story is in a much better position because somebody was on the record and Mike Fiers had that courage. Um, but it, it's ahistorical to kind of um, suggest that basically it was, you know, Mike Fiers deciding one day I'm going to blow the lid off the whole thing and that's how it happened. It's just not how it happened
3: Evan Drellick, the new book that he has out is called Winning Fixes Everything. I want to go back to, to Luno for a second because A.J. Hinch, obviously, back in baseball. Last week, Carlos Beltran returned to baseball. Alex Cora is back in baseball. And Luno is still out. Is, is he the absolute head of the snake? And do you think that there's any chance at all that anybody would hire him again?
10: You know, Jeff denied any knowledge of the sign-stealing scheme, um, and, and I think that angered people. Uh, it, it, look, and, and maybe maybe it's the case, right? We, we only have uh, different people's accounts. Jeff says he didn't know, um, but certainly the commissioner's office, in its report on the Astros, took the Astros' baseball operations culture to task, right? It's not just about sign-stealing. It's about how did this guy operate? I and mean, what did he do once he got fired? Well, he turned around to the owner uh, and presumably got some amount of money out of a settlement. We, we know they settled. We don't know what the terms were of that. but you know when you put it all together, um, he, he, he's not a well-liked guy in the industry. There are some people who like him. He's very smart. Um, but I think a, a return to baseball could be tough. I, I don't know that it would never happen. Uh, I don't think the commissioner's office likes him. Um, I, I think there's some distrust uh, and, a, and a credibility issue that he that he would have to deal with. Uh, but look, he's running soccer teams now.
3: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Hey, Evan, do you, do you think the rest of baseball, because of what happened with the Astros, has been scared straight?
10: Well, maybe when it comes to doing brazen, obvious electronic sign stealing. I mean, if the question is, is anybody ever going to cheat again? Absolutely. You know whether we find out about it, what what form that takes. Maybe it's not sign stealing. Maybe it's something else. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, people can get away with stuff, and we never know. And so, so you never know what's clean and what what isn't in baseball. But we do know that in baseball and outside of baseball, people are always going to try to find an edge. I, I think the one thing regarding sign stealing electronically, you don't hear quite as much. Uh, public finger-pointing as you did a few years ago, right? If you go back to, like, eighteen, nineteen, there was a lot of crossfire publicly. Mm-hmm. So it seems to have quieted a little bit.
4: Evan, are you all at all surprised by how um, you get all of this information, you get all the t- sign-stealing and the cheating and the banging on trash cans, and, and the, the World Series champs are still named the World Series champs, and nothing else happens besides that. I mean, obviously, people lost their jobs, but in terms of a, a professional team, you know, there were players on opposing teams that, that probably lost money or lost opportunities because of that.
10: Yeah, look, punishments and investigations, you know, MLB's Department of Investigations is not built on righteousness and fairness above all. It's, it's there to serve mm-hmm. the interests of, um, look, really protecting uh the the owners and, uh, you know, quieting scandals. I mean, they they went harder, certainly, in the Astros than, the, than they did the Red Sox. And I think it is fair for Astros fans to say, well, you know, we, we were made something of an example. It's also the case that the Astros were doing something more egregious than any other team has been shown to have been doing. Um, it It's shades of gray. You know, did did they deserve sterner punishment? Well, Jim Crane's still making a lot of money. You know, the, the next time the commissioner really – goes after an owner uh, might be basically the first, maybe outside of, I don't know, Donald Stern, you know? I mean, it's very rare that you see a league turn on its its actual owners. So it's, you know, fairness is uh, in the eyes of the beholder. And I think
3: you can point in a lot of ways and say, well, was this really fair? And, you know, especially if you were, and it, fortunately for them, the Dodgers did win. We had Ned Coletti, the former Dodgers GM, on, and he was talking about how weird it was that in that game in Houston, Kershaw was getting lit up. And it's not like Clayton Kershaw has the, the best postseason history anyway, but... Those people, Ned said, hey, it broke my heart when I heard what happened because he figured that that was going to be Kershaw's game. That was going to be his postseason game. Fortunately for them, things turned around, but there are, like Kerry said, there, there's a lot of collateral damage from this scandal, isn't there, from young players that got sent down because they were victimized by the, the Astros' offense that year. It, it's almost endless, the, the reverberations of what happened.
10: Yeah, I think it's part of the reason why, you know, even today, it still draws attention and headlines. Um, you know, Mike Bolsinger was a pitcher on the Blue Jays who uh, really got the brunt of the sign-stealing stuff, and and uh, he sued. He lost, but he but he sued uh, for what the Astros had done there. So there is, yeah, I, I think I think sometimes the impact it can have on other people's livelihoods or potential impact, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. Well, would this guy have been a big leaguer anyway, you know. It, Maybe not, um, but yeah, that's real, and that's one of the reasons Mike Fires uh, said he wanted to speak up. Is that young pitchers were walking into Houston, uh, not knowing what was going on, and you know that it, it, it almost literally take food off somebody's plate.
3: Amazing. The name of the book is Winning Fixes Everything by Evan Drellick. Really compelling. And like I said at the top, uh, probably the biggest story the baseball has had since this century turned, at least if not uh, longer back. Uh, Evan, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Love the book and love having you on and continued success and great work with The Athletic. We're, We're there every single day. It's a big part of our show and we appreciate the work that you do.
10: Hey, okay, thanks so much for having me.
3: Take care, Evan Drellick from the Athletic, and of course, the book is called "Winning Fixes Everything." Check it out on Amazon and pick it up and read it because it's good stuff. Oh, great. and a lot of Cardinal information in there.
4: You know, I just think about younger players, as you mentioned, players that, like a Clayton Kershaw, this is your moment to to read to write history in the way that you 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 needed to be written, and the opposing team team is cheating. They are doing something to actively work against you that is you know not in fairness of the sport randy that, that you, you've seen me you haven't I, blackout rage would not be uh uh the right word it would be something greater than that in that moment like i i yeah you, you, you Tommy Fam, in the outfield with a with a former with a with a teammate mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, the,
3: the, that's the way it would happen yeah. huh?
4: no question <laughs> that, that would have been the easiest way to go about it might have been more violent than that.
3: And I'll tell you what, it's what happened is inexcusable, but you mentioned that there is no asterisk. I think if we were going to have an asterisk, that's where it should exist. If we're going to have an asterisk in sports. They seemed to be—everybody says—not everybody. A lot of people say, well, everybody was cheating. They do especially. But there was a major investigation, an in-depth investigation by MLB, and they didn't find anybody else cheating to the extent that Houston did, illegally like they did. It,
4: it, it, I'm, I'm interested to read that book to learn you know, in detail how, how deep the cheating went. How much were they—you know, it, it, it's— I don't know, man. I, I as a player, knowing how hard it is to to stay in this game, to play this yeah. game, I don't know. I would been I would have been comfortable in that in that clubhouse, knowing that we're going about our business in that manner. Like, yeah, no, it, it's there's no integrity involved whatsoever if if that's the way you're going about your business. And to the credit,
3: air quotes of AJ Hinch, apparently he did take a bat to the. TV screen that was there, but then Luno had it reinstalled immediately.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what do you do with your bosses? Uh, uh, I guess telling you you need to cheat and this is what how to go about. Yeah, right. It. What do you do? What do you, what do you who do you tell? Yeah, if, if your boss is the one telling you to do it. Yeah,
3: if we can get number one, yeah, we'll we'll take it. You and I will. Yeah. <laughs> but we're far away from the white lines. Here. There you go. We're far away from the white there lines. Carrie, Randy, coming up. We're gonna talk some blue. Hockey with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, our blues insider from The Athletic on
2: 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on
3: 101
2: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN.
0: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey? Here we go.
3: always great to have Jeremy Rutherford on the show, but particularly great when he joins us in studio because his presence just brightens things up for us. It does. So, uh, Jr., good to have you with us. Good, good morning. to see
7: you guys. Good to see you guys. Hey, good interview. Uh, I'm on my way to practice, and this is on the way, so I stop in to do the segment here, but I was listening to the interview with Evan Drellick. What a uh, terrific book and job they did he and ken rosenthal on that story you know i joined the athletic in 2017 so we're going back five or six years now but i remember when that story broke and there was a lot of attention given to the athletic because of that story and i think that we as a company still would have made it but i think that gave so mm-hmm. much legitimacy to the investigation and the operation that that we were doing to have that level of a story don't you uh that's the kind of story that, as a journalist, you dream about, right? Can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. And listening to Evan tell you guys mm-hmm. that uh, he was onto the story, he had the source, you know. And and as someone who hears information sometimes, and you try to corroborate it, you try to dig and get the background on it. He had to do that for 13 months and yeah. basically sit on it. He was between jobs, he, he switched to a different company, and then he brings uh, Ken Rosenthal in, and then they attack it. But yeah, to have that type of information and have to, night after night, go to bed saying I could do something with mm-hmm. it, that's gotta be tough.
3: The two, two movies, one of them is real, All the President's Men, right, with Bernstein and Woodward doing that kind of work with Watergate, and then The Pelican Brief at the end where they're sitting calling up saying we're running a story tomorrow. Yeah, we want to know what your reaction is, and that's exactly what they did with Mike. Mike fires, right? They said we're running this story. We'd like to know if you have something to say about it.
4: I'm just as a as a journalist, when you have a story like that, knowing how it's going to implicate so many people and and really bother and upset some people, is there some hesitancy of of how much detail you get into or or how much you put out there because you know. You're going to ruin some people's careers and they're going to be some really some people really upset with you uh, after you write after you publish that story.
7: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. So I've never obviously had anything quite to that level scale, mm-hmm. anything like that. But uh, you do you kind of sit back. OK, how is this going to affect people? How do I need to approach it? What kind of care do I need to give certain situations? But the biggest thing. You have to get it right, and if it means you got to talk to three or four people yeah. to get one sentence in that story right, it has to be right because, yeah. as you just said, it affects so many different people. And if you get that wrong, that's on you. Now right. you've brought yourself into that situation, right. and you can't do that. You kind of had to do that with the Tarasenko trade story, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So again, not nearly the scale of this uh, Houston thing, but uh, you know, when you're when you're making phone calls on that and trying to get to the bottom of why Vladimir Tarasenko wants to be moved, and then you know that if you mention things like he wanted to wear the C or the shoulder surgeries Mm -hmm. that he claimed to be botched by the St. Louis Mm -hmm. Blues doctors, you know that when you put that stuff out there, who's going to read it, how their jobs could be affected, what their bosses are going to say to them, and then also what's it going to be like in the locker room? We hear Tarasenko wants to wear the C. He thought he Mm should wear the C. Well, how does that make Ryan O'Reilly feel? But I think at a certain point you have to get to with that reporting was, okay, I have the information, I know it's right, I'm gonna go with it, and whoever it affects, that's who it affects. Because you got to do your job.
4: Hey, Jr. Uh, I am the president. I don't know if you know this. I'm the president of the Kelly Rosen fan club, <laughs> and we have been talking about him constantly. Uh, some injuries. Tory Krug is day to day. He's gonna get some more time. What have you been seeing from him, and and is this sustainable for him at this point in his career?
7: I think it is, and I'm gonna go back a few months with you here because uh, when you see a guy like Kelly Rosen late in his career, kind of put things together. Care you know this? You know I, I went to Craig Berube at a press conference and I, I just said, "Why? Why now? Why is it coming together mm-hmm. now?" And he just said, "Confidence. That's what yep. it is." And, and I think maybe early on in the career, uh, you don't have that. Kind of funny. The other day we were talking to Ryan O'Reilly about Kylie Rosen and uh, we said, "How about those two goals?" And he said, "Looks like Nick Lidstrom out there." <laughs> and uh, I happened to be passing Kylie Rosen going into the locker room a couple days ago after practice, and I said, "You hear what uh, O'Reilly said about you?" He said, "No." I said, "He's uh, calling you Lidstrom." He goes, "Oh my
5: gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> so
7: having fun with that one there but but he's been great I think he should find a way to stay in this uh, top six the remainder of the season mm-hmm. and I think uh, they should try to find a way to keep him in that mix for next season for sure
3: you have a great piece up right now. Just went up at The Athletic three hours ago about uh, the the action behind the scenes when the Blues made the trade of Tage Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly. And I, I haven't gotten through it completely, but there's a lot of new, interesting facts that come up.
7: Yeah, it's fun. We're doing a series this week. It's called Behind the Trade. And there's already been several pieces at The Athletic uh, involving other teams, other players. Today was my turn. And we were allowed to pick a trade, a uh, big one in the team's history. And so I went with this O'Reilly-Tage Thompson deal because it, it fascinates me. Right it was seen as a fleecing by Doug Armstrong and the St. Louis Blues. And now with Tage Thompson emerging as a superstar, kind of the sentiment on that has changed. But guess what? You can't take back a Stanley Cup. Right, <laughs> and, that's the and key. And that's what the Blues got with that trade. But yeah, it was interesting. So we talked to a few people. Uh, Jason Botterell, the GM of Buffalo at that time, he made that deal. And, and he had since been let go. He didn't want to uh, to talk about this topic. Uh, but I did talk to Randy Sexton. He was the assistant general manager for the Buffalo Sabres at the time. He's now with the Minnesota And he gave me a few details. He said Doug Armstrong was very aggressive. He knew what he wanted. He knew that O'Reilly was his guy. And he said that the the players involved in the trade changed over time. Doug would offer these guys. They didn't want those guys. He would offer these guys. They finally came to a conclusion. And then one nugget in the story that some people may or may not be familiar with, guys, is uh, the fact that Patrick Berglund had a modified no trade clause, and Buffalo would have been on that list. But, Kerry, he did not get that list. His agent did not get that list mm. to the Blues. I so it was that, yeah. null and void, and then it allowed Doug Armstrong to trade Patrick Berglund in that deal for Ryan O'Reilly. Unbelievable. I wonder if Bergie Burg- wound up firing his agent. I, I think they moved on, but, you know, he gets to Buffalo. He plays the, what, 23 games for the Sabres, and then he goes AWOL. I think they find out he's, you know, out of town carousing. Mm-hmm. And then mutually agreed, he and the team, they terminated the contract, walked away from $12 million. <laughs> He's back in Sweden now. Uh, I think he might be playing with a local team in Sweden, but uh, one day, maybe the Athletic will send me to Sweden <laughs> to, to write and that story. Never played in another NHL game, right? No, yeah, just the 23 with uh, Buffalo, and that was it. Uh, we
3: need to know about Brandon Saad going on IR today and the Blues calling up Jake Neighbors. Do you know what we're looking at in terms of Sod, in terms of uh, time out and whether or not the Blues are going with young guys, right? They're going to make moves, and Neighbors is a guy that they have to get NHL minutes for.
7: Yeah, so the news just coming out that Sod's going to go on IR. You know, in that game the other night, uh, he went for that breakaway, and he lost the puck. So I don't know what the injury is, but he lost the puck, and I was like, Oh, well, that was odd. You know, it... Maybe it slips away from you, but was that injury-related? I was wondering. Shattered pride. Yeah, when they when they announced that he was going to be done for the game and, and now on IR. So Jake Neighbors will get a chance. You know, Assad. Uh, I guess we'll get maybe a further update when we go out to practice today, whether it's one week, two weeks, or or longer. But uh, I think they were going to get Jake Neighbors up at some point. Uh, he's got to get some more playing time up here at the NHL level, and, and now he'll probably get that chance.
3: And Kerry, by the way, one of, one of the great things about what Jr. and Jim Thomas and everybody around the Blues gets to do – is when you ask how long a guy is going to be out, I mean, there, there's so much detail as to <laughs> how long a player is yeah. going to be out and what, yeah. what we can expect and when we can expect them back. I really do appreciate the, the depth of the answers you know that are provided. cover, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: somebody, Upper huh? body, <laughs> day-to-day. We'll let you know. When, when we know, you'll know.
5: Hey, hey JR. I right, just got a text.
4: It is a... Uh... <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Blues got an opportunity to go for three... Three in a row tonight. Um, what have you seen from them, and and is this sustainable? They they go against a pretty good New Jersey New Jersey Devils team tonight. What do you what do you think?
7: Yeah, it's interesting that uh, this is the question after the last one because you know typically you don't get a lot of information on things. You know, hey, why are you guys playing well? Why have you won two in a row? What's right. better? Yeah, you know, we're we're just putting things together. Kind of the cliche answers. But Braden Shen and Craig Bruby also talked about and went into detail about the uh, forecheck and and they felt like uh, they needed to regroup with that and and just have more of a five-man identity in terms of entering the zone, getting the puck in there, and having the D guys play up. And, And they want to do that. They've wanted to do it all season, but because of all the goals against, the D just lacks some confidence, I think, and we saw in the last couple of games that the D has been up the ice, pinching in, getting in. Even that Justin Falk goal that was called back because of the Robert Thomas high stick. That's yeah. a that's a situation where the D is in the zone. So I think that's what it is. I think they're playing more together, and the D are playing further up ice. Always good to have you with us. Enjoy practice and enjoy the game tonight. Eight <laughs> o'clock start. Eight o'clock. Yeah, it's a late one. Yeah.
3: Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks. That is the great Jeremy Rutherford. He's our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. We've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN.
2: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
1: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
3: balloon party coming up here on 101 espn we get a text from the 618 hey randy has it been set up yet to have wednesdays with waino again this year that's from pat in freeburg and pat in freeburg absolutely adam wainwright will join us for his final season in major league baseball every wednesday unless he's pitching and then it'll be thursday or tuesday but yes waino will join us every week and we always love having adam wainwright on the program he's he's great all right, we've got to rock and roll. What do we got, Matthew?
6: Well, Randy, I was cruising all around b- baseball Prospectus. One, one thing, because it's a b- good, great website. Two, because they had the Pocota, uh standings oh, yeah, the-, the other day, and I, w- I was cruising those because they, they, they make me chuckle. <laughs> and I came across an interesting an interesting article where they talked about how one of the rule emphasis, uh, emphasize, emphasis is, I don't know what the word is now. Uh, one of the rules that they're going to be giving a more strict interpretation of this year in Major League Baseball is, Randy, they want to be more strict about the bulk yeah. rule. Here's the thing. Back in 1988 there was a similar effort from the league to crack down on bulks. And the numbers jumped from one every three to four games to almost one every two games. and almost doubled in one season. Is a stricter interpretation of the bulk rule a good rule yes. for Major League Baseball this year? It is, but they have to
3: determine what a balk is because they could say, if they wanted to, that Johnny Cueto, who, by the way, is celebrating a birthday today, mm-hmm. balks not, every time he pitches.
6: of city that's going to go overwhelming.
3: No, no. <laughs> nah, so no. it depends on the umpires. We used to have an umpire in baseball, Bob, uh, Bob Davidson. His nickname was Balk Davidson yeah. because he, he called a lot of balks. As <laughs> yeah. long as they're consistent, right, and they, the pitchers know what a balk is, I think we'll be fine. But the, the thing is... If you're going to emphasize a rule, you have to tell
4: all the pitchers and you have to say, okay, you need to change your behavior. Do you think that that number goes up because now they can only throw over twice and there's going to be more of a an attempt to, I guess, get hitters, yes. get, get, get runners to... to Stay a little bit closer to first base than, than they would in, in previous years.
3: You nailed it. And yeah. here's the other thing. If baseball wants to emphasize more offense, what better way than to have runners in scoring position? Then How do you get they, runners into scoring position? Walk them over. They put them on second
4: base in extra innings. Yeah. So. Everything
3: is geared towards the offense in sports. They took out the red line in hockey. Uh, they, they, for a long time, took out the zone defense in basketball. Added uh, the
4: three-point line.
3: Yep, they, they don't allow cornerbacks to carry a receiver down past five yards of the line of scrimmage in the NFL. Yes. It's just all about offense and that's what we love as Americans and this is just another thing in baseball. Every I, rules change here is for the offense. It's not for run suppression. What is The what, shift, by the way, the, the
4: bigger bases, the pitch clock, everything is to enhance offense. What does soccer need to do to get more offense? Because those one nil games, those one nil matches are nothing you can do. It's uh, a beautiful no. game, Kerry. It doesn't need to change. You make the the goal bigger. I don't think you can make the goal. Shorten bigger. the field. That that was a, that
3: would be the one that would I would say make the make most the sense smaller. if you did want to enhance offenses. Make the the field smaller. The
6: crazy thing you learn if you become, if you become a soccer fan is that there is no uniform size for a soccer well, there's got to be an
3: XL for the big guys and then <laughs> maybe a, no, uh, you know the, the, like a a small for the little like a, you can't have the little guys wearing XLs true.
6: there's no uniform <laughs> un, there's no uniform size for the pitch in really? in the EPL they all cup, you, they, gonna, there is, size a, there is a maximum. There is a minimum. But there are per, as long as you play within those parameters, you can mm. actually change the size of your field oh, that sounds well, ridiculous. But by a little bit margins. And I think it's because they want teams to be able to accentuate the style they play by the, the field size. It's so kind it's of a like, like a baseball thing. Field it's kind of like baseball. Baseball hmm. is a similar thing. Every single s- field dimension isn't the same. That's a unique thing about baseball that we but don't see in basketball football. or football football is well that's different I know as a, as a, as a, I'm just saying I'm just saying it's th- you. it's something that before I wa- started watching the Premier League I never would have guessed as a yeah. thing and then I found it out and I'm like I actually kind of like that they, they allow that level of like gamesmanship and strategy
4: to that proportion this, I this like segment that. is for all of our city fans that say we don't talk enough soccer we're
6: talking more soccer tomorrow Let, let's fan go. and steal joining us at uh, 845 Loot. as they have uh, finished out both can their camps and the, uh, the season yeah. opener
4: uh, is, on, is on the horizon yeah. Come on thank you
3: I uh, I just think that there should be a standard field size. For a sport where people have to run up and down a field, I think there should, should be a standard know how, size. how long and, that and is.
6: Again, I mean, the parameters are like, I mean, we're not talking like feet. We're talking like, there's like, a I think it's like 12 or 16 inches that we're talking about the smallest and biggest. Oh, okay. okay. It's not a big
4: thing, but it, it is something they changed. Texer from the 314 said they should add a two-point line, three-point line. That's soccer. a good idea.
6: I would, I would like that. Somebody says to increase scoring in soccer, you make the field bigger, not smaller. I see hmm. what they're saying. That way the elite. The elite athletes, speed and stuff, have more
3: time so it's to already open already a lot up. of running. Kerry, this is one of the all-time great stories. Go. What we got? Desmond Howard won the Heisman Trophy at Michigan. all right. He did. And he's working out for teams, and his agent knows that he's not a 4-4 guy. He's a 4-5 guy. Mm-hmm. His agent sets up a personal workout for every team that's interested. All the teams in the <laughs> top 10. Rather than 36 inches apart for the cones, they were all 35 inches. There you go. The the scouts didn't notice at all. There you go. So all of a sudden, he's running a 40 with 40 fewer inches.
4: Hey, Randy, let me tell you what we did on our pro day. So we, if you don't know this, you should know this. The 45-pound weights are not all 45 pounds. Some of them are 42. Some of them are 44, 43. So we went and found the lighter 45-pound weights. So we may have been doing 218 and instead of two twenty-five, four-four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody knows. You know, we we weighed them on That's the scale, great. figured out which ones were a little bit, just a little bit less. You know, they're not we, all forty-five pound. We were thinking people are just
3: if they would only use their intelligence for good rather than evil. There you go. That that
4: was <laughs> beneficial. Right? We we weren't you. hurting anyone when we were. <laughs> trying to cheat, well, or no, cheating, not trying. You didn't trying get it, right? it drafted, you know, it did, did. you? Yep. I did not. It didn't, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't help that much, Randy. Was, I'm still undrafted. <laughs> you know? If I could have found a way to make that 40 yard shorter, I might have been able to a, uh, What that a great idea,
3: huh? That and helped. so Desmond wound up going fourth in the draft. Good for him. him. He should, probably should have gone
6: middle or second half of the first round. Yeah, for him. But he, he runs like a 4-4 four, four rather than a 4-5. All of a sudden, he's a star. Good Speaking of him. teams that are about to start playing, then we're going to talk to the architect of their roster, Dave Bowler, who was the architect of the Battlehawks draft and uh, roster, is going to join us tomorrow morning at 7-15 as well. So we're talking about two teams as they get ready to open up their seasons.
5: Good call. Good
3: Alright, the uh, Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Good questions, and uh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks to the great work of Carrie Davis, who who battled through. you was doubtful coming into this one? I'm. I'm I'm You're strong. About to put my cough drop in. As soon as we get out there. Love it. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great Friday Eve, St. Louis. That's right.